0: In the chill night at the scene of a crime, like a streak of light, he arrives just in time. Spider Man, Spider Man, friendly neighborhood Spider Man.
1: episode 630 for july 2020 and you're listening to the spider-man crawlspace podcast and i'm your host brad douglas uh, i'm releasing this episode a little bit earlier usually they would be exclusive to patreon members for two weeks and then i'd release it to the public however paul jenkins has a kickstarter campaign that i want him to reach and he's got as i uh, put this out he's got 10 days left and he's a little short of the uh, goal that he wants to hit so i want him to hit it So again, uh, go to the link that I'm going to put in the description of this MP3 and also the video, etc. of how to support Paul Jenkins and his Fairy Quest book that he's uh, doing on uh, Kickstarter. Uh, I do want to thank the Patreon members that make episodes like this possible by helping me pay the bills. Uh, as they come in for the podcast hosting the website hosting etc. So a perk is you get your name at the top of every episode. So a personal thank you goes out to Ghost Spider 2018, JR, Robert, Alex, Frazetta Hulk, Frederick, Joshua, Kelly, Laura, Marcus, Matt, Michael299, Mohammed, Noah, Patrick, Walter, Will, hashtag something good for you, AJ, Andrew, Bob, Craig, Dow, Datboy, Donnie, Eric, Hafskimo. Ira, JB, Jay, John, Curtis, Michael, K, Patrick, Ricky, Sammers, Scott, Steven, Stewart, Symbiobro, Thomas, Vinkman, and Nick. Again, log on to patreon.com crawlspace, and you can help support the sites and get exclusive episodes. Uh, two weeks early than most, except for this one, because of the Kickstarter campaign, uh, you also get spider satellites i just released a two-hour episode uh, a couple days ago that has i think nine reviews on it uh great episode if you want to check that out it's uh books that aren't amazing is what we cover on that one one more time patreon.com slash crawlspace all right paul jenkins is back let's talk to him paul how are you buddy
2: All right, Brad. How's it going, man?
1: I'm good, man. It's been a few years. 2012, back in Chicago Comic-Con, last we met. A lot of water under the bridge, huh? (laughs) Yeah,
2: I guess so, man. I didn't realize that. You have to excuse me. I'm making my tea, you know. You're making tea. In advance of my interviews, I always have to have a cup of tea, you know.
1: Well, you're from the UK, but you're in Georgia. So you're, but you still bring your tea. That's right. (laughs) We already have people tuning in. We are have uh, Stoggy says, Hey, guys. Stoggy. That's our guys. Stoggy. Stoggy. Oh, there you go. Nice. And we have SoFlo, Space Brad, and Jenkins. Hello. What's going on? All right. So, So we're going to talk a bit about uh, your Spider Man run. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're also going to talk about a Kickstarter that you are currently in the process of doing. Let me pull this up Mm -hmm. and it's called fairy quest. And, uh, when we met in Chicago, you had just released your first volume back in 2012. So you're up to volume three on Kickstarter and you've got, uh, 596 backers at the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, your goal of 40 grand, you're almost there. Let me play this little video from the front end uh, and I'll lower the volume Talk a little bit about Fairy Quest. What is Fairy Quest?
2: Uh, well, I'll tell you what, it's quite self-explanatory. If you want to turn the volume up a little bit, it'd probably help you to see uh, okay. it.
1: Okay. I
0: am the so it's bad wolf, and I am very, very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Hiya, Mr. Wolf.
2: So the big bad wolf says, "I am the big bad wolf, and I am very, very hungry."
1: That is a well-trained cat. Oh,
2: hello. is <laughs> oh, reading his favorite book. <laughs> this is Fairy Quest, and we are about to reprint Fairy Quest One and Fairy Quest Two here on Kickstarter, where it all began. And we're also coming out with Fairy Quest Three, a brand new book. So we would love you guys to be part of our campaign. So we have planned a ton of extras and add-ons, lots of amazing swag that we'll add to every pledge as we're closing on our funding goals. We can't wait to bring you all kinds of exclusives and incentives that we'll announce if we're lucky enough to hit our stretch goals. And we have some special cover artists lined up. Uh, We have Ali Garza, we have Billy Tucci of Sergeant Rock fame, and we have Kevin Eastman, the co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Fairy Quest 3 is the next chapter in the Fairy Quest saga, which is set in Fablewood, a giant forest where all of the stories live together, but they're divided by genre borders. We originally published the work here in the early days of Kickstarter, and after a long hiatus I'm really thrilled that we're going to be bringing our book back here again. I know you're going to love the new 48-page chapter with a new main cover by Humberto Ramos. And this time, we're welcoming the incredible Mike Bowden, as well as our fantabulous friend, Leo Olio, who's going to be doing all of the colors and all of the design and lettering on the book. Since our first Kickstarter, Fairy Quest has been translated into a number of languages. It's been a cool statue. We've seen live action. We've had a bunch of cosplay people come up as our characters. And we've even developed a live action version of it that we performed at Pinewood Studios in Atlanta. All of this comes down to the fans at Kickstarter. We can't do any of this without your help. Fair Request exists because of you, and now we're finally able to bring our beautiful book back into print. I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to finish it here where it all began. So thanks for watching our video, and thanks so much for helping us. I tell you what, it looks it looks
1: amazing. Um, and. Thank it's you. basically watch, the, watch my wife. Oh, oh, you got a you got a blooper. Okay, take ten. Take ten.
2: <laughs> You're not
1: helping. <laughs> That's my wife. <laughs> nice. Eighty three percent there, man. Eighty three percent there. That's yep. awesome. So, yep. fairy quest is is basically the fairy tales going off script a little bit with red, etc. and and they're not g- sticking to their their script essentially, right?
2: Yeah, so basically the way that we did it is if you uh, – the, the world is well called Fablewood, right? And they all live yeah. in this giant forest um, called called Fablewood. And it's a, a forest – it's the world where like all of the stories that i have ever been told are in there and they're all divided by borders, which are like genre borders, right? So you've got yeah. science fiction and fantasy and horror and romance and historical fiction. Right. Right in the middle, you've got the children's stories. And they are made to tell their story. And if they don't tell them properly – then they get their minds wiped in the dreaded mind eraser. <laughs> yes. so like a lot of children's stories, it's kind of got it's macabre, you know. I mean, it's like uh, Hansel yeah. and Gretel is about an old lady that eats children. You know, <laughs> uh, it's kind of dark and yeah. And so in the in the story, Red Riding Hood and the wolf become best friends, and they decide yeah. to try to escape together uh, so they can be together forever.
1: And you've got uh, some cover art. Uh, Humberto did the first three covers, yep. and uh, you have a new interior artist this time.
2: Yep. Yeah, uh, we've got Mike Bowden, who's incredible, and it actually fits with the way that the story is. So yeah. they try to escape. They go along the yellow brick road to freedom. That's Ali Gaza, actually, that cover that you just showed. Oh, this um, one? Right yeah, right that here. one is yep. Ali Garza. Um, I think if you can go into updates, you'll actually see a couple of really cool things. Oh, like the
1: one you put up today is beautiful. Let yeah, me show, so let me show that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Jennifer is like. Look at that one. Wow. She's like (laughs) my favorite person on the internet. And if anybody here has never seen Jennifer Meyer, um, there's her. Jennifer is it? I think, yeah, jennifermeyer.com. I think she's Mm -hmm. she's at JL Meyer or at Jennifer Meyer. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: And if you want to put yourself in a good mood, Mm-hmm. Go to her Twitter stream like every day or her Instagram whatever and watch her stuff because it's like a nice. bunch of like happy pictures of bunnies and uh, <laughs> And what 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 is so great about Jennifer is that in in real life like in actual fact mm-hmm. he's exactly who she is awesome. online. She's as, as kind and as sweet a person that I've ever met. She's absolutely brilliant. What is
1: it like as a writer when you get that in your inbox? I mean, I can't imagine your your your, yeah. your words are coming to, to life with this.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's um, There's a trade, right, Brad? So right. the trade is that you get this incredible stuff that you see and you go like, wow, this is amazing. Look at what I got, right? If yeah. you go to the previous update, I think, if you go to the one from, I think, like two days ago. This one? Oh, um, no. I, think, I need to just this, go back to updates. This, yeah. this one. Yeah. So now we got some mock-ups of the covers, right? You can right. kind of see what it looks like. But if you go down a little bit, there's Ali Garza's cover. And then this one here mm-hmm. is Mike Bowden's art. So people That's understand beautiful. I mean, we are not going sideways. Like his stuff is so great. No doubt. And um if you I think if yeah, if you go down, you can kind of see like the, right. the new page. Um, you see a little bit of the dialogue that we threw, and we don't want to give away too much of the of the story yet. Right. Um, but Mike is a perfect artist right now because he actually transitions from Umberto and in the story they go they, they actually become self aware and they go through the looking glass. Nice. And once they go through the looking glass, they begin to transform and they become they start becoming real. And then we find the genre borders, and they start going through all these worlds like horror and science fiction. They start going through these worlds to try and escape. And the closer they get to the real world, the more they become real.
1: So, so of course, the artwork would change with that. That's right. So they look 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 different. Yeah. Uh, And this, you said they're going to Oz. So that is. uh... No,
2: this is well. This is they're they're, right now. They're on the Yellow Brick Road, and they just got caught by Dorothy. Dorothy and and the Tin Man and the and the Lion are all like really scary. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Dorothy is looks like she's a little from Texas. She doesn't she's look
2: like trailer Judy Garland. Track, <laughs> she, yeah, she's, trailer trail. she's sexy Dor- Dorothy. Oh, you know? no, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then they go and this, that image that you got right there, they go into right. Wonderland, right? The one below. Uh, if you could just sc- scroll down. And oh yeah. It.
1: Wonderland with Alice. Yeah, oh, is that, yeah. I guess that's Alice over there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's Alice. There's the Hatter, yeah. but there's the, you know, there's yeah. the Cheshire Catacora, cat. Cheshire Cat. Yeah. And Very so they nice. go through the looking glass and at that point everything's upside down and it begins to change and they nice. find that, that Wonderland is in anarchy because no nice. one's telling the story properly anymore.
1: What's some other you've got on your updates? Is where you put most of the new art that comes in, et cetera, that people will yeah, see. Yeah, we do
2: put we do put art. I mean, on our main page, we got some art, but we love to go through and you and know the campaign.
1: Put, I think there's some yeah, in the
2: campaign, too. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you actually just kind of go down and you see that we put uh, art. Yeah. Here's like images from the story. Um, right. Beautiful. So you know we we uh, I mean, basically it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt, <laughs> man. Amazing.
1: I love the uh, the size of the book, too. Yep. I mean, it, it's, it's a bigger size than a regular trade paperback or a hardcover yeah. trade. Yeah. And it's also – oh, and this is your son and your, your wife, if I remember correctly. Yeah, right? that's correct. Yeah, so my, nice. my
2: little boy, when we started this, my son Jack was – a yeah. little dude. And now he's 14 years old and he's got hair in his armpits. <laughs> did,
1: did he lose interest in Spider-Man? The Spider-Man's not in the shirt anymore, you know? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I don't know why spider Man's. I, I, I kind of had forgotten that. I think it's probably just different pair of pajamas, right? So, oh yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess your wife is tired of reading the same story to the kid over
2: and over. <laughs> so what happens is, well, actually what happens is as they get further away from their story, yeah. The mother begins to forget the story, like because they're not oh. telling the story, the story is now not memorable anymore. And so oh. she's beginning to get frustrated and she's telling it wrong. And the kid's like, why are you telling the story wrong? Oh. Because I the story see. isn't there anymore.
1: Right. Cause I haven't read two. I just signed up for that, that uh, uh, group where you get to buy both of them, two and three. Oh, good. Uh, okay. Back. Brilliant.
2: Thank you for so backing.
1: I, no, no problem. I, I oh there's sexy Dorothy again.
2: Sexy Dorothy. You know what's crazy about it is. <laughs> yeah. With that particular book, um, yeah. and I, we, we'll, we'll tie this into Spider-Man in a minute because yeah. you and I have known one thing that I think is is really interesting. Um, there are a couple of issues of Spider-Man that I've done, and I've done lots of them, but there are a mm-hmm. couple that repeat with me. People come up with the same issues, and they're always emotionally very moved, and you probably can yeah. guess which ones they are. Uh- and
1: the the baseball game, yep. the African American Spider Man, yep. and yep. Uncle Ben's grave. I bet
2: <laughs> Uncle Ben's grave. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and so yeah. they 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 will come up and they'll talk to me about that. They come back. Well, they always come back about this project too. Like people nice. will buy issue one, come around in a circle the next day and say, "I need the next one." Awesome. And it doesn't matter if it's a little girl who's five years old or a dude in his sixties. <laughs> Everybody comes back the same way and yeah. says, I want it. So what you're looking at right there, which I think is yeah. kind of cool, is um right. The embossing. Like, yeah, the embossing and the and the the um the way that we did the um the UV coating. There's a little video mm-hmm. that plays actually that shows you the way that we want to put them together. Oh here if we go. I like to own books that I can keep. You know? Oh yeah, no doubt. Okay, so let's take a look at the production yeah. values that we've got. What if I full screen it? What will that Isn't do? Oh, down there you or go. Or perfect bound side of the book. Um, we like to make something that lasts for a very long time. If you look at the back cover, and we've done it on both covers, you'll see as I've held it up to the light here, um, it says "Do not deviate," but that's actually just using a spot UV varnish. Um, so that's something that we brought to the front cover of all of our books. Let's take a look at the front cover. Um, as I hold it up to the light, you'll see we've got the spot UV coating again, so it's in the eyeballs. But you can also see that Red Riding Hood is actually embossed on the cover, and some of the other characters are as well. Um, this is the kind of book that we make to be very sturdy and beautiful so that it will last a really long time, and we hope that you will love it as much as we do.
1: Very cool. Who's ever doing your video production? Is it good? doing good? Is oh, it you? Me. Is it don't you? <laughs> what about the editing and the, uh, the making the uh, – the characters from the book move what is that you yeah, too so
2: we, uh, that was our digital media guy mario yeah. andre uh, so we have a, a great a great group of people at my company is just meta studios meta, yeah. um, by the way you know what i'm always really really pleased with is the fact that our animated logo which is on the main video that you have right mm-hmm. our animated logo um at the top when you play it back it's it's like they uh, yeah. It, it, now, if you go to the very top
1: Oh, at the front end,
2: I feel like bragging on it. Go to the very top of the uh, of the page. the page. Okay, yeah, and if you go to the end of the video, uh, so we work pretty hard on. You can kind of go backwards in the video a little bit on, on yeah. this. No, to the very end of it. Yeah, go to the end of it.
1: End of this. Okay.
2: Yeah, around about just before that bit, you'll see our logo play out, and uh, yeah, there you yeah, go. there you go. If you see it unfold, it's actually quite nice because you know it's meta. There's there's a thing behind my company. You know.
1: There you go. Nice. Yeah, whoever designed that did a really good job. I love the color that flies across it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool, it right? Um, it looks very so
2: that was a friend of ours, Dana Wagner and myself. Um, nice. One of the things about Meta, my company, is that it's media education, technology, and advancement. So we do all about like like moving media forward, but also right. um, making sure that we advance our creative community, that we work with new technologies. So we've got a bunch of stuff that that comes out of this, this brain and gets made.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, your friend Stoggy has an Stoggy. announcement. If we get, yes. let me, let me show you how many backers do we have? Let me go Ooh. back. There you go. Doggy is going to give away. Here we go. We got 596 backers at the moment. There St- you go. If We get to 600. He's going to give away a copy of spectacular Spider-Man number 27, which is a classic, Perfect. classic issue that you wrote. It's your yeah. last one. It and, is my mom. Uh, yeah, uh, You're going to give it to a giveaway. So if we can get four people during this stream, you get something. Look at that. Thank you, Stoggy and Paul. That's really cool. That's really that's cool. That's
2: good, right? No, we we are excited. You know, because we're so close to our our, our first oh, no goal. If we get to forty, we got two weeks to go. The yeah. last week is always a bit big, anyway. But I think you know what we want to do is those stretch goals kind of thing. That stuff is fun. right? Yeah, because- let's
1: pull down the stretch goals down here. Yeah,
2: let's see. There you go. So where we are at is we we'll get yeah. to 40, but once we get to the stretch, card, we'll probably throw in at one of 45, to be quite honest. We like, right. we've already thrown in two or three of them. You mm-hmm. know, we've, we've given away stuff like, um, I can't remember what did we give, bookmarks and and we've yeah. got some, some cards and stuff like that, that we're just going to give to everybody anyway, because we're just grateful that we get to make our book. Right. Um, so Jennifer Meyer, you know, the image that you saw earlier on, right. we're going to make that into a print and release oh, that. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, everybody really seems to want that book, but we're yeah. also going to be making some cards and, and Stogie and I are working on a bunch of cool stuff. Um, yeah, I should mention, by the way, you just kind of went past Jill. Yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. I forgot to mention Jill, of course. And um, so Jill is oh. amazing. Jill Thompson. She's a yeah. cover for us as well. She's brilliant. Um, she's a good friend and she's a really, really, really talented artist. So right. Jill Thompson, Ali Garza, Kevin Eastman, Mike Bowden, um, and Billy Tucci. No doubt, and, and, and what makes it well, we got the the, the always the main covers by Umberto, who I'm right. in the book with, and Leo, who you see below, is the secret weapon because all of that beautiful coloring that you see, that's Leo. No
1: doubt. He's got a, uh, a David Bowie <laughs> look
2: he going does. on. Yeah. <laughs> you, you never know with Leo; he's got something going on.
1: One one thing I like that uh, over here on your your pledges, uh, you can get whatever variant you want. Of yes. you can get an Eastman cover, you can get. Yeah. Uh, any, any of them that you want. So
0: yeah
1: uh, again, if we get up here, let me scroll all the way to the top. If we get to 500, Oh, Nope. I'm on the updates. Let me go back. If we get to 600, you're giving away yeah. an autograph. Spider-Man. Look
2: at that. Yeah, Let's, just, let, that's me, let me good, refresh. Go, t- go tell your friends is the trick, right? Yeah. Go, go tell, tell your, your
1: share this live stream because we're going to be talking about Spider-Man. So uh, again, fairy quest. Uh, right. if you want to, uh, support it in the description on Facebook and YouTube, I put a link to the Kickstarter. Just click on that in the video that you're watching right now. All right. You ready to talk Spider-Man? Yeah. Let's Spider-Man, man. <laughs> All right. Let me remove this. And so we, you're, you originally started, cause I'm going to try to avoid what we've already talked about. I'm going to talk about some stuff. That we didn't talk about back in 2012 at the uh, Chicago Comic Con. Okay. The the um your very first issue was in Web Spinners. That's right. And you, you tackled the Chameleon.
0: Yeah.
1: And one of my favorite things in that issue is how you had him talk about how he's his first. That was Spider-Man's very first That's villain. Right. Here here is the issue. Talk about the, what went into writing this one. Did you always? I mean, where better to start than with Chameleon for your first Spider-Man? Story? He
2: was the first. He was the first yeah. guy, wasn't he? He was the first yeah. villain. And so, right. Um, it's an. There's always a story behind almost everything that I write, Brad. And right. uh, I think you may have seen this, but on our YouTube channel on Meta, uh, which you know we've been doing some cool stuff. But you know we don't do it as often right now. But we're about to once we finish with our Kickstarter. And I began to do the story behind the story and actually tell everybody, like, you know, nice. what, is, what is behind each of these issues, right? Now, we haven't gotten to that one, but let me tell you the story behind the story and, and I'll get to okay. it, uh, you know. So, what happened was when I came to Marvel, um, I was not an insider, right? I'm not an insider in comics. And I think you and I have talked right. a little bit about that before. Right. I found that to be my advantage, right? Uh, sorry, but I didn't read millions of comics before I wrote <laughs> Spider Man. I'm not a massive long-time comic book reader, but I'm familiar enough with with them, right? Mm -hmm. I love the form of art. It's not like I don't know who Spider-Man is. I have a pretty strong idea of who he is. I wrote him for six years, right? Right. But I came to Marvel and we did a set of characters called the Inhumans, right? Right, uh, They couldn't give them away. They had never been able to sell them. They had tried them a few times. And so they were the biggest set of throwaway characters. And we came in Marvel nights when chapter 11 bankruptcy was at Marvel. Right, And they let me write the Inhumans and it won an Eisner award. And they didn't know what to do with <laughs> me at that point. <laughs> because Congratulations they to well. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, they, well, that's what they did, right? So yeah. how frustrating to you and maybe the fans of your show that I turned them down. And said, "No thanks. I don't know. I don't know what to do with Spider-Man." Mm-hmm. And it kind of threw them for a loop a little bit because I think they would have assumed at Marvel that anybody would want to write Spider-Man, anybody would want to write, you know, Thor and Captain America.
0: Right.
2: And so it probably made them feel a bit weird that this punk from Britain tells them no thanks. <laughs> but it wasn't because I didn't love. I didn't love the characters. It was because I genuinely told Ralph Macchio, the editor. I don't know what to do with Spider-Man. It's very confusing to me. Um, It's, it's you, you, and so I had this kind of big lecture with, with Ralph, who's a wonderful guy, but I'm a writer that happens to work in comics. And um, that's been my advantage, right, Brad? I'm, I'm lucky because I don't live and die with each of the, you know, if I, I could write Batman, I could write, the Riddler, I could write the big wheel. You know, yeah. I don't care, right?
1: Mindworm. I mean, we're gonna talk worm. about Mindworm in a little bit. You made me care about Mindworm, dude. Mindworm.
2: <laughs> and so I felt that I could make you care about any character. I don't yeah. care what character it was, and that included yeah. Spider-Man. And so I talked to Ralph the very first time he asked me and I said, Ralph, I'll be honest with you, I don't understand Spider-Man at all. Um I know there's been a clone saga, but I don't really feel like I understand it.
0: Welcome to at, the club. <laughs> well,
2: and, and at the time, yeah, uh, the way that I saw it was this: I think they had overdone it. I think that you know it was okay to see the the death of his uncle Ben, and that was a driving factor behind who he was.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And after that, Gwen dies, and to me. That was the death of the love of his life. And with all yeah. due respect to Mary Jane, that was like it it doesn't mean that she he doesn't love Mary Jane just because he once loved Gwen. He still loved her, right? And he loved Gwen and everything about him right. was his love for her. But then he loses Captain Stacy, and that's Gwen's dad, and she's died. And okay. But then someone else is dead. And at the time that I came on, they said, Oh, Mary Jane's dead. She's dead in a plane crash. And I'm like, yeah. make it stop. <laughs> it. All right, what's the point? Um <laughs> And 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 even when I very first took over, they said Mary Jane's dead, but she's coming back. And I said, Yeah, well, what was your first clue? Like you, <laughs> you don't, you know, you never saw the body, so she's coming back, right?
1: Yeah, it's comics. Care. Even if you do see the body, who cares?
2: <laughs> yeah, who cares, right? Yeah. And so what happened was I I said, I, I don't get it it's so convoluted. I can't even make head or tail of what it if you let me write it simply, then I can do it. If you don't, if you don't let me just write simple stuff that really speaks to the core of the character, I don't think I'm your guy. If you want, but what happened was about two years into working at Marvel, um, I, I was, I'd done in humans. I was working on century yeah. and Ralph tried me one more time and I said, Ralph, you know, I, I, hang on a minute. I realise what I need to write about. I need to write about him stripping away all of this continuity and all of this complexity. Mm hmm. I need to write a way in which I can liberate him and get to the core of who he is. That's what I would like to say. If you're okay with that, then let's do that. And I did it in web spinners. And it was a story about the chameleon, but essentially it was a story. It was a three part story where I did two of them with Sean and one of them with JG Jones. Right. Right. Yeah. And in the first two, he undergoes a difficult situation with the chameleon where the chameleon has come to a point where he realizes his life can't be interesting because he can't be who he really is. He doesn't even know who he is Mm -hmm. because he's just other people. And he, and he realizes the most incredible person that he knows is Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Right. So He wants to be him. And they end up on the bridge where Gwen died. Right. And you realize it's just the two of them. And he says, look, Peter, I, he tries to say, I want to be you. Mm-hmm. Right. You're so in. Even your failures are tremendous, you know. And he ends up saying, "I love you," <laughs> and it, it's not a homosexual thing. It never was. Inter- I mean, I don't care what anyone says. That's not that. Right. He just meant, "I love you." You know, I want to be you, right? And um, and they start laughing, and they realize, yeah, and, oh, and
0: it, You know, it's like, been years since you know he saw Spider Man laugh
1: <laughs> like that. That was a that was a belly that's laugh. Right.
2: And yeah. he says, that's right. And and so he, the chameleon, is saying the things that I think the readers felt, which is it's been too long since, since, um, since I saw you laugh. And it's, I'm happy mm-hmm. that you're laughing, Peter. And I'm glad I brought this to you. And then yeah. because he knows he can't be anybody, he throws himself off the bridge.
0: Right.
2: And it's tragic and it's awful. Yeah. But he can't, he has no identity of his own and he realizes he never will. Mm-hmm.
1: One and of the... I've got this, the panel up that I was talking about, by the way, I love Spider-Man's huge 1990s phone on his waist. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. That's true. laughs> Check that out. So this
2: yeah, is the, Nokia. you know, it never breaks.
1: <laughs> so this is the part I love. He's on the phone. I was your very first. Oh Nope. You can't see it. I got it. Oh, here. Let me, uh Oh, I got to do this. Okay. So it's, he's down here and he goes, I was your very first. I just love that scene. I, I think that's so cool. Yeah.
2: yeah. Had, had you always been a chameleon fan or why, why start with chameleon? I, I wanted to go back to the beginning, man. I, yeah. my whole run was about going back to what made Spider-Man interesting. Yeah. And you know, I will kind of rehash, I think something that you and I probably talked about the last time that we talked, which is right. when I was brought onto this, the project, finally, they said to me, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, listen, Here's the thing that drives me crazy. The first thing I heard was, "Well, there are no good Spider-Man stories to be told anymore." And I said, "You got to be kidding me! Right. I've never told any Spider-Man stories, so give me a let me have a go first before you tell me that Spider-Man is finished." And I have always felt that when we got put on Peter Parker Spider-Man, which is about n- nine months before Joe Straczynski got put on his run, right. that we, we, were the quiet, we were the quiet revolution.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We were the ones who. Who rebuilt Spider-Man, and the way that we did rebuild Spider-Man was a very simple way, which was we told very simple stories. And the first conversation I had with with Bucky was, "Why can't he laugh, man? Exactly. And why does he laugh? Like, what what makes in the essence of Spider-Man? And both of us agreed that his ability to do a wisecrack was the reason why he exactly."
1: And that's probably why one of the reasons you tried his hand at stand-up comedy. He found out he's really not funny. But uh, he was terrible at it. He's terrible.
2: He's terrible at it. But yeah. I love the fact that he he gives it a shot in memory of of Mary Jane because he thinks Mary Jane's dead at the point. Uh, yeah. And so he says, "Well, you know, there's this is thing I've always wanted to do, and you think it's going to be like the biggest thing in the world." Yeah. And. And all of a sudden, it disappears yeah. because he realize he's terrible at it. You know,
1: in, in your very first uh, or your second story, you have him laugh again. He yeah. got hit hit in the head with the dirt or mud for, at well, Uncle Ben's grave.
2: So the whole the whole issue yeah. that whole issue was about how, if you look at the essence of who he is as a human being, he's going to be shaped by some of the things, and then there's part of it that he's going to be right. That right. you know, I'm a parent, right? I have little mm-hmm. kids, and I know that at times. Um, my children will be who they are, whether I try to teach them something or not. And at other times um, they will do the things that I taught them. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get to see some of the things that shaped him. And one of them was that he, he had his uncle Ben and his uncle Ben was a jokester and they played practical jokes on each other. And as, as you know, most of what I wrote in Spider-Man was literally about myself and my soon to be wife at the time Mm -hmm. she has the funniest little sense of humor and so she and i would play practical jokes on each other you know throw water on each other and like leave soap on the thing and stuff like that and the idea that that this kid had grown up with uncle ben and he was an orphan and he was really scared and didn't know what to do and his aunt and uncle were much older
0: yeah
2: and then he comes to the house for the very first time like the bit that you're showing there
0: yeah
2: and he meets uncle ben and he's like, "Oh no, uh, hey, I don't know who this guy is." And then he turns around and he's got an orange peel in his mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and uh, like again, like we talked about earlier, you gave some humanity to Uncle Ben. Otherwise, he was just a dude that died.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, if,
1: you, if you don't show why this character loved this ca- other character so much,
2: Uncle Ben was my granddad Jenkins. He, my granddad oh, Jenkins awesome. used to do that thing with the with the orange, and he oh, had he did. Oh, that's cool. He had a twinkle in his eye. He was a funny guy. He had this real twinkle in his eye. Yeah. And he had a ton of pain in his life. Um, He had had to throw himself off a train. He designed most of the railways in Kenya. And he had to throw himself off a train one time and it smashed his leg up on a bunch of rocks. Wow. So he was in a lot of pain, but he was a pleasant dude. Mm -hmm. And so seeing pain and humanity in a person and look at what we brought. I mean, that's why I said every single issue that I've ever written of any comic, yeah. It's based on something that I know.
1: That's awesome. So you started with, um, what was it writing that first official comic as the new writer on Spider-Man? Is that Was that harder than writing the web spinner one? I mean, you want to start strong, and you did with that first issue.
2: No, I've never found it hard. I, I hate cool. to spoil people's illusions or be frustrating. Yeah,
1: that one right there.
2: But it's comics, man. It's not hard. <laughs> it's and common. the reason why it wasn't hard is yeah. because Marvel were in Chapter 11 bankruptcy and they had no choice. The last resort of the creative corporation is, is to go to the creators and empower them. But they were so close to going out of business. I can't even tell you how close they were. They were this yeah. close to Chapter 7. And they were going to sell themselves for a million dollars, right? Yeah. million dollars away. <laughs> and as a last resort... They came to us at Marvel Nights and they said, "Do a few books," and we did them, and they won Eisner awards, and they did sales, and they realized, "Hang on a minute, we're letting these good creators do good stuff. Why don't we let the good creators do Hulk and Spider Man?" And so they let me have a go at Spider Man. Right. Eventually, I mean, I did Hulk as well, you know, and they kind of re—I I became the guy that rebuilt their franchises because they—they had problems oh, no. with Hulk as well.
1: Your Hulk run didn't last that long. Did did you? I didn't want really to do
2: it. I'm. I'm not that angry of a person. I didn't have that okay. much to say. I, I wanted to write about anger, but unfortunately, and yeah. my wife will attest to this. You're. You're not a mean dude. <laughs> I'm. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not much in anger. I. am I, yeah. not much about it. You know. Right. And so. Um. So, um. I wanted to
1: hear. This is starting with 20. Uh, you went up, and. uh I want to talk about some of your. I guess your first original creation. <laughs> Spider Man is typeface. Talk about typeface, man.
2: I tell you what, I'll trade you. I'll talk about typeface if you let me talk about maximum security next. The next oh one. Oh god. So typeface, I didn't even have one
1: on my notes, but go ahead.
2: <laughs> so typeface. It was Bucky and I had done a few fun issues, right? Right. <clears throat> there was if there was one, you know, that was a ton of fun. Um and it was about him explaining to us who Uncle Ben was and what his relationship was. We had the idea that he would fight a gang of mimes and that was really funny right we love that story and we used to do funny little jokes you know there's a there's a whole sequence at one point where he's um i don't even know if mary jane's in the picture but he's in his apartment he's by himself and he shares an apartment with randy his friend mm-hmm. right. and he's singing queen and he's eating a tub of ice cream Oh yeah. And he's wandering around making a load of noise and the towel falls off just as he bows, right? And Randy walks in and is like, well, that was unexpected. And he walks right <laughs> back out again. And they yeah. used to let us do that, right? They they yeah. would let us do you that. I think
1: Randy was with uh oh, what's her name from the bugle? Um Oh what I can't think of her name right now.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, uh um, now it's been a while since I wrote it. Um but, you know, the point was that they used to let us have fun, right? They no, no. never say no, no. you can't do that or you're wasting real estate in a comic or something. Yeah. They literally had to trust the creators. And so Bucky and I did it. And so getting back to typeface, okay. we said, let's do like an intentionally bad joke, right? There he it's, is. It's a terrible <laughs> joke. He, he has <laughs> type all over his face. Yeah. And he throws letters around and I thought that's as good of a bad Spider-Man villain as I've ever, you know, that's you're, what it was. You're in on the
1: joke. You know, it's a bad villain.
2: We knew it was a bad villain, but we loved the bad villain. We no, thought no. he was great. We thought he was funny. Yeah. And we realized you can still tell an interesting story with that person. He's still, you know, there's elements of who he is. Um, and we, we loved it, right? Like it was a stupid character, but mm-hmm. it, just to be clear, we knew it was a stupid character, and we figured people would go, That's pretty funny, right? You know, like, and then other people were like, Well, I don't know about that new character. I'm like, Well, I neither do I.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: yeah, there he is. He's got a, you know, he's just he's got a,
1: like a flavor flavor thing going on around his neck, you know?
2: <laughs> but yeah, he does, right? And there's a funny thing, too. We called him Gordon yeah. Thomas, right? So if you actually right. look up Gordon Thomas online, if you get a different browser and you, you look up there Gordon Thomas, it. Gordon Thomas did. I love atrocious music right mm-hmm. so if you find it's Gordon right music, here no look up Gordon Thomas uh, bad music <laughs> there you go bad musician <laughs> okay. Okay. outsider <laughs> musician Thomas. right here Gordon Thomas is the worst musician I've ever heard he is <laughs> unbelievable and if you go to his <laughs> official website GordonThomas.com, you can hear maybe a couple of it. yeah there you go you can hear a couple <laughs> of his songs now here's the thing about this guy. He's a sweet dude. Yeah, listen. Uh, listen to his music. If you, if you, if you I believe oh, that nothing known. happens until it's. Can time you hear it? Complications. Oh no, this is this documentary, which is awesome. Oh, okay, go to another one. Um, let's see. I'll give you one to play. Hang on. Uh, try Brown Baby. Yeah, they're all good. Okay, he's atrocious. A listener in New York got to, uh, exactly naive. Okay. Oh, here we go. I know it's you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, and I can't sing, so I can't talk. But
2: <laughs> I, I love this man, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love this man because I have a funny sense of humor, and I just—I love yeah. Gordon Thomas. No he doubt. used to appear on the front of all of his albums. And yeah. his, his record label was called Sam Hot Records, which, by the way, for those of you not paying attention, is an anagram of the word Thomas. Oh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and he would appear on the front of all of his records holding a trombone, except, <laughs> A, he couldn't play the trombone, and B, there is no trombone on any of the records, right?
1: Wow.
2: So I loved him. And... I would do stuff like that. Like the name of typeface, his actual name is Gordon Thomas. And that's named after that dude. Right after there, that
1: dude. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> by the way, Venkman says glory grant. We couldn't think of glory. glory grant. grant. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And Stoggy has this in. We need three more backers. We were going to do four. We got one in the time we've been talking. So there you go. All right, give away a copy of spectacular Spider-Man 27 signed by Paul. If we get three more backers for his Kickstarter. Perfect. Again, the uh the link to Kickstarter is in this video description on Facebook and YouTube. So okay, you asked me to talk. I wasn't going to, but let oh. me go back. <laughs> I'm I'm losing my tabs. Hold on a second.
2: Sorry about that. Uh let's
1: see. I got distracted by Gordon Thomas. Didn't expect yeah. that.
2: <laughs> see, I told you this is gonna go on for more than an hour, man, because we get <laughs> lots to talk about, right?
1: <laughs> okay, here. Let me pull. There you go. That's the issue you want to talk
2: about. All right. Do you like that issue? I'm not, no no, no offense, but I'm not a fan. (laughs) No, that thing was a mess. And let me tell you why it was a mess. So they call me up and they say, I sent them in a script for 24 and they called me up and they said, what's this? What's this script? And I said, what do you mean? What's this script? It's just next month. And they said, no, no. Where's the, where's the tie in? Oh, God. And I said, what tie-in are you talking about? Apparently they had a, this is typical of Marvel. They had a company-wide tie-in that month to a thing called maximum security. Yeah. But they didn't tell me. And presumably it's because I'm just not an insider, right? I don't get on the phone with all these people. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And so now they're like, no, you need to write a tie-in to maximum security. And I said, Well, what's it about? And they <laughs> they they sent me some. Breakdown, and I couldn't make head or tail of it, bro. I didn't even know what it was, I couldn't understand it. And so, well, I mean, we we start off
1: with that. What's going on? Poor Peter's about to get probed, dude. Yeah, we, the only thing I could think
2: that was really funny is that he's about to get probed. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, if you start from there, where can you go? I know
2: (laughs) there were there were comedy possibilities. I like in the comments. I just saw that Adam says I don't really remember Maximum Security at all. Funnily enough, Adam, I don't remember Maximum Security (laughs) much when I wrote it.
1: (laughs) Now George remembers it, but uh, yeah, (laughs)
2: yeah. Well, you know, and so I'd be honest. At the last minute, I had to write some tie into something that they didn't. They couldn't even adequately explain. I call my editor out. call Ralph and say. Ralph, can you tell me what this thing is? And he's like, nope, I have no idea. They sent it to me, and I I don't make any head or tail of it either. And I said, I'll do my best, dude, and that's what you got.
1: And Gordon Thomas was pissed. His story got cut short by maximum security. It got (laughs)
2: cut short, and that was so frustrating. It got cut short by maximum security. And we were just like, is this how it's going to be? And so (laughs) we we got back in touch with them, and, and I said, look, you know, like, do me a favor, right? Like, let's never do that again. And they said, funnily enough, if we really want you to do a Green Goblin story. Oh, God, right? yeah. But that and, one
1: was much better. You did a yeah, great so that, with that
2: one. That's okay because I kind of knew what I wanted to do with a Green Goblin anyway, right? Yeah. Um, and in well, Green well, Goblin,
0: yeah,
2: we put in something which I have been known to do yeah. that had never been uh, done before. That Green Goblin story. Mm-hmm was a two-parter that I did with um, Howard Mackey, who was the other writer on the book. Right. And, um, you know, I I know Howard's not been shy about I mean, basically it was my story. You know, it's something that I Mm -hmm. pitched to Howard and said, let's go down this road. But what I I liked about it was that we managed to do something with the Green Goblin that had not been done, which is to say why, in part, he became who he became. Right. Um, And it had to do with his father locking him, by the way, here comes the story behind the story, right? right? His father locking him in a mansion to make him grow up as a little tiny kid. And it's an abandoned mansion. Yeah. And he is, he is terrified. He's a tiny little boy and he gets put in a mansion in the storm. And the dad right. said, if you get through the night, you'll be an Osborne. Right. So it's really yes. abusive. And he then says to Spider-Man, what happened was I didn't become afraid of the dark. I became afraid of the light. Mm. It was, I imagined that there was a little green goblin running around in that mansion. I could yeah. hear the chittering sound of this goblin and it wasn't the darkness that I was afraid of. I was afraid of the, the lightning going off and showing me this thing standing right in front of me.
0: Right.
2: And it shows you why he, he turned to the darkness and he was afraid of the light. Right. Is he, because and that's he, what
1: he essentially did to Peter when he abducted him, put him in, in uh hold up. That's right. So oh, yeah, uh, right. I also I'm not sure if it's this issue, but I love the line that you you put in there. He's a father without a son, and Peter is a son without a father. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think that's been ever attributed to those two characters, but it sums them up both perfectly. I think. Yeah. Talk about yeah. that
0: line. Well,
2: we had, you know, um, so apparently at the time that this thing had been written before it got published, Raimi had been trying to work out how to finish out that first film, and they realised right. that the relationship that we create in that story was what they wanted, which yeah. is, which is the Green Goblin realises my son is useless. Mm-hmm. The one who's worthy of being my son is is Peter Parker. That's my son. Yeah that's my air. And so that's what became a basis for the way that they did the, the story in the, in the film.
1: No doubt. And the scene up on the rooftop in the first Raimi film, very similar to your goblin. Did, yep. you, when you saw that in the theater, you were like, yeah, that's me.
2: Listen, <laughs> they, listen, I've had an entire career of watching my stuff get appropriated by Marvel for their things. And I mean, right. to be fair, I yeah. did create the origin of Wolverine. Um, and, They said you're not going to get credited because Stan's the only one by contract that gets credited. So, Uh,
1: well, and and it was in the the least coolest Wolverine movie of all of them, too. (laughs) That's your origin, but
2: yeah, yeah. But my stuff showed up. I mean, if you look at the dogs in the Hulk movie, those are mine. If you look at like the the moment in the rain where they kiss, where he comes down and kisses Mary Jane with his hood pulled up, that's literally from a cover I designed with Carrie Andrews for. Uh, Charlie Adler's one. And so you can see my stuff show up in their films all the time. <laughs> they, they actually started interviewing me. This is like a company policy thing. They started interviewing me about my contributions to Spider-Man in the movie. And then they mm-hmm. never showed them because oh. they realized on the
1: might, special features or something.
2: Yeah. They realized that they might actually be walking themselves into a legal minefield.
1: Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, if I could pull it up, I'm not sure if I've got it in a tab, the Marvel unlimited, app is kind of wigging out on me, but, uh, I thought typeface died in your civil war. I thought you oh, killed yes. him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. I think we do him in. I, I, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I hadn't thought about him in a while, but I think we, I think we tagged him. I think he got done yeah. in.
1: However he's back. He really? <laughs> he's back and I, I can't pull it up, but I've got the issue, uh, in here. I'll just add that. And, well, I don't want to show the whole thing. I might get in trouble, but in Deadpool Spider-Man number 12,
0: this
2: is great.
1: They team up with Santa, you yeah. um, know, if he's in the background, really? <laughs> Yeah. so if I could, if I wish Marvel Unlimited would work with me, it's just anyway, anyway, he, he's not dead. You did not kill ty- type is not dead. You weren't the final <laughs> voice on Typeface.
2: I can't even kill my own characters. Can't, I man. <laughs> uh, oh, well.
1: Um, let's see what else to do. I want to hit you up about, um, you were just talking about Charlie Adler, um, who from, uh, Adlard. Is that right? Yeah. Ad- Charlie Adler, yeah. He is the artist on walking dead, yep. uh, where people know him probably best, but he worked with you on, if I can copy this and go here, there we go. So that cover you talked about—that was the inspiration for the upside-down kiss on the first Spider-Man yeah. film. And if yep. you look inside the art here, I will pull some of the art. It's interesting to see his take because I'm used to seeing zombies, right. <laughs> but to see his take on uh, Mary Jane and Peter Parker—yeah, this is, is before cool. he,
2: this is before he did zombies.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, well, will it work? Anyway. That's just a cool thing. A little behind the scenes. If you didn't know you worked with him before walking dead. Yeah.
2: There's there's always, there's a story behind all of these stories. There really is. And and one thing that was really cool. And I think you and I talked about this one other time was that Uh when I, when I wrote Mary Jane and him being married, Mm -hmm. um, what I found was, was kind of interesting was that I found it easy to write them being married. Right. And I never understood why almost every other writer wrote him as a liar and her as a nagging idiot. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like she would complain and then he would hide the fact that he was Spider-Man. And it was almost like the most naive view of marriage. And at the same time, yeah. I had met my wife and I was getting married, right? Mm-hmm. And my wife is the fans know her as nigh perfect. She's a yeah. she's a funny Lady, and she's just brilliant and beautiful. And, and I'm super lucky she has this funny little sense of humor. And I thought, why, why aren't we writing the two of them in love and agreeing yeah. about things and enjoying each other's company? So I felt that like ours was a quiet revolution, honestly. Brad, like we occasionally would write like just a fun little thing. Um, I, I seem to remember somewhere we wrote a bit about um, um, them going to a Klingon wedding because I was oh, doing great. Talking about that, yeah. I was invited to a Klingon wedding with my wife and we ended up going to this <laughs> wedding. It was crazy. I was going
1: to, I was going to ask you that later when we got to it, but I was, is that writing from experience? I guess it is. Yeah. T- two Klingons tied the knot.
2: <laughs> all the time. i seen two Klingons tied the knot and uh, they were I was <laughs> a special guest because they were just really big fans of comics. And so
0: That's
2: I sat in this wedding, I think it was at San Diego comic con and they got married and me and Melinda were there, my wife, and we were like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: that's hysterical. So, uh oh, here we go. I got some Charlie Adlard art right there. Yeah. That's not zombies. That's Spider-Man and Mary Jane. That's
2: right. This so, is this is when he I think this is the one where he can't believe she's back. He can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. And the he, uh
1: you wrote them at a very odd time. He was it, it was almost like you had you had to write Spider-Man as a widow. Yeah. I mean, no other writer were, has ever written him as a widow. What, what, what is that like? That makes him really old, I think. Okay,
2: so what you do is you juxtapose tragedy against comedy. Yeah. And that's what makes you feel tragic. You, If you want to write a comedy, put something difficult in there, speak to any comedian. Look at Robin Williams and the torment right. that he would go through to be the brilliant comedian he was, right? Mm-hmm. and so, And so in my run... Uh, we had this tragedy he'd lost his wife and it was frustrating really because I knew that he hadn't lost his wife so that was annoying because (laughs) you know um, she was coming back but I wanted to write that tragedy and I wanted to make it feel like he had been through closure and the stages of grief and the things that are difficult in losing somebody and so we did a a great scene, and I don't know if you remember this scene, but this is one of my favorites I ever wrote, too. We did a scene in one of the books where he is in a bar, and he has his wedding ring, and he's put it on his right hand. Oh, yeah. He, because he believes, he believes that when your wedding rings on the other hand, <laughs> um, it means that you're showing everybody that you're a widow. Mm-hmm. But it, but it doesn't mean that it, it can mean that you're gay and you are sort of like signifying, you know, that maybe I'm not sure if it's someone who's gay, who's married, a, a gay married man. I'm not sure. But so he's in the bar and he's talking to this dude and he's like, the guy says, you too, huh? And he's like, yeah, no, he says to the guy, he says, you too. Huh? And the guy's like, uh yeah, yeah, sure. and they get talking and they end up talking at cross purposes and he goes back to Randy and he says, oh, man, the nicest guy. He's, he's a widow like me. And then he explains it. And Randy's like, dude.
1: You don't even know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you don't know what you just did. And Peter's like, I need to go tell him. I'm really sorry.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know that. That that, that uh, I, I'm with Peter on that. I had no idea. You put your ring on the other finger that you're. you're it
2: was you're, something that I, I that's read funny. about. And I thought, well, you know, that's I love so the funny. idea that in the biggest tragedy where he's. Because it, it actually that, that scene was all about him saying to the world. I get it. I've lost you. And there's yeah. nothing I can do. And I can't go back. And it's about time, symbolically, he says, that I go and I put my ring on my other finger. Right? Exactly. A <laughs> little bit he know that he's screwed up.
1: <laughs> um, real quick, one of our panelists uh, who's been commenting is George. And George met you a long time ago, I think in the 90s. And uh, it was, bef- I think you, I- I'll tell his story since he's not on line because he's told this story before. And I, I want to see if you remember it. He, he, you and him were at a convention, and you were engaged. And next to uh, 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 one of your booths was a Playboy playmate or something, and they were hitting on you. And he knew that you were engaged, so he walked up to you, and saved you from bad decisions.
2: <laughs> Listen, let me be clear. Okay. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way that I would have made a bad decision. George, yeah. I appreciate you coming to my rescue in my honor, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the day that i the day that i met my wife and she's beautiful my wife is beautiful i went that's it i don't need no one <laughs> i am good and i've been that way ever since every single day i've known her um i felt the same way but yeah uh that's kind of cool right because george i appreciate you that was really well done um <laughs> i don't think you know who was hitting on me but i like the story because it certainly adds to my street street credibility thank you <laughs>
1: As if you (laughs) need a street tread. Michael Reed says, I got the Jenkins. There you go. Hi, Michael. Oh, you were at the Top Cow booth is what George says. So there you go. Oh, right.
2: Okay. Yeah, I can believe that.
1: The playmate was like, you'd rather hang out with him than me?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, listen, man. You know, one of the things about it is if you live in this country with a British accent, it's like a license to print money. And so (laughs) for a while, right? I wrote Spider-Man. I'm like, I played soccer like six matches a week or something. And I'm totally in shape. I, I drive a blues brothers cop car. I wear a leather jacket. I've got earrings. I got a British accent. It's basically your catnip. You know, call, <laughs> call your own shot. Right. And uh, you know, What can you say?
1: <laughs> so we, we go from typeface to your other villain that you created was fusion. Talk yeah. about this. one. So uh, I, I think it's a great origin of villain. A dad whose son died wearing a Spider-Man suit and swung from a rope and died. I mean, it's a great, great hook.
2: Yeah. And he blamed, he blamed Spider-Man for being Spider-Man and, um, um, the, the child dies. And so he hates him.
0: Yeah.
2: And what he does to him is he has the ability to project an emotion and a feeling that is based on a true story though. Um, as everything is, um, I broke my neck playing football Oh, wow. And for maybe three or four months, I was unable to walk properly. I um, I actually l- laid in a bathtub. Um, I went down to about 140 pounds. Um, I was nauseated constantly. And um, I had to have all this therapy. And I was very lucky um, that I didn't do the Christopher Reeve, actually. I was quite close oh, yeah. to it. Um, I do, to this day, have a little bump that hits my spinal cord. So I deal with a lot of... Uh, um vertigo and what's interesting about it is that i wrote about that infusion right it was like he is now stranded and he's broken he thinks he's broken his neck and so it's all about the will that you have to stand up after you've had your neck broken or you've had a really bad injury but it mm-hmm. was a lot about me writing about the compassion i feel for people that that never do have the luck or the right. fortune that i had and they, they they are paralyzed or they have a debilitating illness And then in part it was about the fact that I do deal with a debilitating illness. I have vertigo and I still have it. And, um, you can't see it on me. Hmm. You know, you can't tell that I have it because, uh, it's like being the difference between being blind and deaf. We feel sorry for the blind guy. And we think the deaf guy is stupid. (laughs) Yeah. If you
1: can't see it. uh, Yeah. We're all visual.
2: So fusion was a cool character. I, that was a, that was a very personal story. The one about him breaking his neck. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, During that fusion story, we were introduced to a couple characters who I think, sadly, should still be in the uh, Spider-Man universe. My man Barker, who has his own Wikipedia page. (laughs) Well, it's a Marvel Wikipedia. Uh, So check out Barker. I I love Barker. Are you a dog? I mean, we saw the cat in the Kickstarter video. Are you a dog guy?
2: So I love dogs, too. We got a dog. We have a little dog called Sprocket. She's oh. half dog and half goat, right? Is it
1: like from Frogger Rock.
2: Yeah, yeah. She's, oh, oh, nice. she's a rocket, right? Yeah. But um, so Barker is based on this Rottweiler that we used to go walk in our court. We had a Welsh Corgi, okay, Colin. And my wife and I, when we just got married, the first thing that we bought was was a dog, and it was this um, this, <laughs> this, 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 this little Welsh Corgi. And we would walk him down the street, and we would get to rock the Rottweiler. And, <laughs> Barker is based on nice. So rock would run up and down and he would just flip out and Rottweilers, you know, what you have to understand is they're the yeah. sweetest, they're funny dogs, man. They're not, you can train them to be awful, yeah. but rock, like pit,
1: pit bulls. I've never met a mean pit bull or a Rottweiler.
2: No. Right. And so yeah. rock, rock was this funny dog. And one day we're walking and I'm looking and I realized rock would see me coming and they would run back into his kennel and then he would run out again. And it was like, when he ran in his kennel, it was almost like you could, Hear him like soaring and stuff. Right? Like, I didn't know what Rock was up to, but I came up with this whole story about how he would go in there, he's building something. Yeah. And uh, so oh,
1: I love that part because in the Marvel Universe, a dog could be building something to a kill
2: you. A dog could be building something, exactly. <laughs> right? And so we had this whole thing about Rock yeah. and or, or the, the dog Barker. Yeah. And the funny thing about Barker is Barker is the person who knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man.
1: Oh, exactly. I think that's so clever. Yeah. And, I think that's so yeah. clever. Well, you can't forget Barker's owner, Karen, who also has a wik- uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> 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 of course, they used the best picture of Karen over
2: here. They did. Yeah, so Karen... <laughs> um, so it's funny that George brought up the, the Playboy girl.
1: Okay. By the way, he says, it's confirmed the chicks are into Paul. <laughs>
2: So Karen's kind of like the amalgam of the, it's not temptation for me. I didn't ever get tempted. Uh, It's not, I'm not saying that my wife doesn't watch my streams anyway, but uh, (laughs) I, I wasn't tempted, but I definitely had a lot of temptation, I suppose you could say, because Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, like, and so Karen is that like sexy vamp and I'm telling you, Brad, there's one story that I wrote and I, there are two or three Spider-Man stories that we didn't do. And one of them you would have loved, but unfortunately, you know, at a certain point I didn't do any more Spider-Man, um, but right. Karen was a cool character. Uh, oh, yeah. he was totally, you could never tell if she was into Peter or not, but she was sort of in his face and she was across the street and she yeah. would come out on a balcony wearing lingerie and he'd be like, <laughs> okay, no.
1: <laughs> when you, in the 2012 interview, you said you wanted to surround Peter with hot chicks. Yeah. J- just to <laughs>
2: Just fun, was, you know, and
1: temptation yeah. was around you know
2: just to show like yeah. like he does care about you know people yeah. and he's genuine and he he's not tempted but they're there right um so yeah. the story that i never got to write was one where he so you're missing one character and one character oh, oh, that. People-
1: oh please tell me i have if if this is what i think you're going to do are you going <laughs> to hook him up with john anderson
2: no, John was my, oh. I, played, I played, Big John was a guy that I played with. So he was my mate from New Zealand and we played football together. I thought John man. and Karen would have been perfect. John, <laughs> yeah, John, no, that could have been, easy. I think we tried to get them together anyway at one point, but John yeah. was just hideous with women anyway. My, the real John was okay. terrible. <laughs> and so we I mean, he's were. he's a Kiwi kid, man. <laughs> yeah, he's the Kiwi kid. And he gives him the Kiwi kid. No, the character that I was going to bring up was the piece of cheese that was called Kevin.
1: Oh, Kevin the cheese. Okay. Yeah.
2: So we had this piece of cheese in in uh, in in his fridge when he lived with Randy.
0: Yeah,
2: and he said, "No, I'm I'm keeping the piece of cheese. It's my pet." <laughs> and then later on, in one of the issues, we actually showed that when he opened the fridge, the cheese had a little heart emoji. It was like, "Oh, it's Peter." And then he closed the fridge door, and his little heart would get broken every time. <laughs> like the, so the cheese is sentient. <laughs> right, the cheese is sentient, and yeah. so we did. I wrote an issue and we, we never did it. And it was basically Peter's crazy day. And at the very beginning of the um, issue, he wakes up and he looks across and Karen is in bed next to him. And then it's like, (laughs) like, I don't know how I got here. And then he looks around and he's got like a snorkel and flippers on and he's wearing a tutu (laughs) and he can't, he has no idea how he got there. And yeah. the story's all about how he accidentally ate a piece of the cheese and it messed him up when he went on patrol and he kept getting concussions. Right. And so his behavior gets more and more erratic and it had the big wheel in it. it had, oh, yeah. I'm not kidding. And it was a total comedy issue about this whole comedy of errors. And he ends up, he hasn't done anything with Karen, but he ends up waking up next to her and looking at crossing out. And I think that we did, we kind of appropriated it at one point and we had him wake up next to the dog. Right. <laughs> he woke up next to Barker and he was like, OK.
1: <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Well, you know, in the Marvel Universe, cheese can not have mutant powers. Evidently, I could mess with you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it you're talking sentient. about some he of your. Was... Oh, go ahead. I said, well, he said it was sentient. He said it was a piece of cheese he was trying to grow. And then yeah. and then it ends up that Kevin is sentient, which is kind of cute.
1: George says, I think Kevin moved at one point there.
2: <laughs> yeah, the cheese. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he moved yeah. across the fridge.
1: Kevin, the sentient cheese. There you go. And Anthony goes, I remember John Anderson. Flashback. Yeah. Kevin is kindred. I don't, I don't know if you're reading the current Amazing Spider-Man, but we don't know who kindred is. So we're It could be,
2: the, could be the cheese, yeah. Kevin, the,
1: Kevin and kindred. The the mime issue we were talking about, one of my favorites, the yeah. Nuff Said issue. I think Bucky is the very first artist to ever do this to Spider-Man. He mooned
2: right. a villain. That's <laughs> right. We did, we did some things, we did some things, right? That you they would never at one point. Yeah, Spider-Man turns to the goblin and says, I'll kill you, because he's really angry. And Ralph called me up and said, Paul, we can't have him say that. And I said, Ralph, if he doesn't say I'll kill you, if, yeah. he, if he can't get angry, he's Jesus Christ. And he's not Jesus Christ.
1: Yes, he's human. He's
2: Spider-Man, he's a person. Yes. What makes him a hero is that he gets past his anger very quickly. Yeah. We did Spider-Man mooning the mimes. I
1: oh, love that. Just
2: love it. We did a, <laughs> there's the, mime we issue. had Spider-Man. Sorry. I hope I can say one off color word. We, oh, had, we had Spider-Man call someone a bastard. In oh, yeah, the, he said, you bastard. <laughs> so <laughs> they kind of let me be British for a while. Um, <laughs> um, But in the mime issue, do you remember how he traps the mimes?
1: Oh yeah. Here I, I got the panel up. He, he does a little uh, arrow, doesn't he?
2: No, he, well, okay, so he traps them. If you oh. can, I don't know if you can bring him up, but he yeah. basically, he points at his bum and now they all chase him, right? Here and we, we go. loved it because they're driving the Mindmobile, which is a, a Volkswagen, <laughs> and they pull up next to the Monkmobile, which is also a Volkswagen. they chase him into, the, into this place and he breaks yeah. the light, it's all silent. And then they shoot in and they're trying to get him and he closes this thing, he's trapped them. And they wake up and he's laughing at them and he trapped them inside plexiglass, like because their mind
1: hysterical. <laughs> when Spider-Man drops pants, you know you're in trouble.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. Like we had the best time. Bucky and I. Yeah, that's a- I've, I've told you this before, I know, like my yeah, yeah. favorite, one of my favorite memories in my life. Mm -hmm. is when we took over Spider-Man and Bucky calls me and he says, you're never going to believe this. We're on the front page of the sun newspaper, which is the British tabloid. Oh, I'm like, there's no way that a kid from where I came from is on the front of the sun. And he said, yeah. And it basically says Brits take over America. (laughs) And it was because two British guys had taken over Spider-Man. Right. And so, I end up on this phone call with him and we're we're going, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to bring back his sense of humor, man. I want it to be like, feel like it is fun. And he and I, it's, it's three o'clock in the morning, my time. It's like nine o'clock. It's probably eight o'clock in the morning in Britain. And I have never laughed so hard on a phone call as when we created the story against the mimes and typeface, all of it came in the same conversation. Yeah we just had the best time we laughed and laughed we had the monks we had all kinds of characters that were just it was great
1: that's funny um here uh one of my favorites I liked your first green goblin story but your second one I think is is my favorite yeah. uh this one went into the brains of Norman Osborne what was that like I mean you really don't you really got into his head for me well,
2: yeah, but I mean, really what we got into was we got into the head of Peter Parker, right? Yeah. And and so here's my feeling. It doesn't matter that he loves Mary Jane, right? Yeah. Gwen was his first love. Yeah. And just because you love someone now doesn't mean to say you weren't in love before. And really what that story is about is that Norman Osborn tries to get to him with the doing the worst things he can to the people that that Peter is... is close to mm-hmm. at the time in the story they had made peter a teacher which i actually didn't mind myself i quite yeah. like that because i think he w- had the right mind to be a teacher right yeah and they drove they drive a truck into his school driven by flash who mm-hmm. they have plied with alcohol even though he'd given up drinking right. and it's a message to peter parker from norman osborne and it's i'm going to take all your people out yeah and then norman osborne visits the school and talks to Peter in front of the, in front of everybody and says, it's terrible what happened. And Peter's like really mad. And he's like, yeah, it'd be a shame if something happened in in return. And they're, they're talking across at each other right in front of everybody. And you know, there's this antagonism. So one thing, another,
1: this part of Stanley's story is when the Peter Parker world merges with the Spider-Man world of conflict. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's great. And uh, you know, you can see why that works. Right. Yeah. And so at that point they, they face each other down and there is this big face off. And I thought it was the, I thought that it was the definitive green goblin story, frankly. and and yeah, what it was is that they they fight and they realize at a moment we're the same person, mm-hmm. and we're killing each other. And Osborne says his thing. You're going to be my son. You're going to be my heir. You're going to be the next one. Because if 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 I leave this warehouse, I'll kill all your family. Yeah. So make a choice. The only way you're ever going to leave this warehouse is if you kill me, that will make you a killer and that will make you me. And mm-hmm. they end up sitting down and Peter says, here's the deal. Go ahead and kill my family because it's not about killing them. You want me to hate you and I don't hate you. Yeah. And the reason I don't hate you is because of Gwen. Gwen would never let me hate you. Yeah. And at that point, he wins.
1: Yeah, exactly. He called it. He called the bluff. He called yeah. the bluff. And I, I don't think uh, it showed you Spider-Man's inner character. That I probably would have killed the dude. Most people probably would have killed the Goblin if yeah. given the opportunity. But he, he was so heroic that he didn't do it.
2: Yeah, and that was the that was the disagreement yeah. I'd had with Ralph Macchio. It wasn't a big disagreement. It was just I said he's capable of anger, Ralph, and what, what's going to make him a hero? Right. Is that he overcomes his anger. Right, right.
1: And uh, the last page, Norman. I think you you said uh, in a previous interview you wanted him to blow his brains out. I mean, where else is Norman going? Because he has a gun.
2: I think it's clear. Uh, yeah. I think what it was. It, it go back to that last panel there, Brad. Because that, that's okay. the bit. he's sitting there with a gun. He realizes he cannot win. Yeah. But what what I had written was that mm-hmm. you hear a sound effect. Bam, and the and the uh, pigeons all fly, right. And I'm just, pretty you, sure that they said can't do that. Yeah.
1: Well, they just brought them back.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: But is that one of your all-time favorite Spider-Man stories? That one, because it's one of mine of yours. Your
2: yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, um, it's one that I'm proud of because I yeah. feel like we wrote a definitive character study on Norman Osborne and Peter. And I, I actually think that the, the most audacious part of that, like the boldest part of that was when they have finished beating each other up and they sit there for a second and they're like, we, we got to work this out. Yeah. And they laugh, right? They actually laugh at the beginning um, because Green Goblin goes, they sit there and they're so tired and he goes, you know, when I, when I started this, I was actually going to call myself Mr. Coffee. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was, he's just kind of trying to work out what to say. And they both yeah. start laughing and then he said, well, that would have been a bit weird wouldn't it, you know, and they, yeah, no, no. you know, well, they're and then, exhausted. I mean, uh, yeah, they're exhausted and they, they don't know what to do. So I've, I felt like that was the best part of that thing was that mm-hmm. they could see each other as the same person as human beings. Right. And then you can work out the relationship from there. Right. So I think that is one that I'm certainly proud of. Yeah. I, you know, you'd be surprised about the one I am the most proud of. Oh, what is it? The last issue.
1: Oh, okay, yeah that I, yeah. that that's one of my all time favorites too. But another good one you wrapped up your Peter Parker run with this one. <laughs> Mysterio, yeah. beautiful looking art again by Bucky. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you did, you also you gave character development to Uncle Ben, but you also had a chance as a writer to write yes. Aunt May that she knows.
2: Yes. Uh, was yes.
1: that nice? Do you like Aunt May knowing?
2: Um, nice? I didn't. I, I'll be honest. I didn't really care for it. I thought it broke okay. it a little bit. Um, but I didn't mind writing it, you know, I mean, I, I I think if you care about how you do stuff
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and, um, I don't mind what the status quo is, I can write it, you know? And, um, since she had found out it was really a conversation they needed to have, they needed to go back over life and they needed to talk a little bit about everything and, and find out what was going on. And, um, you know, that was it. They, they, they talked about, him. They talked about what must have happened and they, they kind of get to explore a little bit of like the pain that they all went through when Ben died. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We talked about that. You transitioned over to, um, spec because the editors wanted you on, on, to launch a book. Is that how that started or?
2: Well, I think they saw that Umberto and I did a pretty good job with, um, with the green goblin story. They, they liked what we had done Mm -hmm. and Bucky was moving over to fables at DC. Right. And they wanted Umberto and I to work together again. Um, which was cool, right? Like, I like working with Umberto and they bring us on to spectacular. And the very first thing they do is tell us the rules are going to change now. And we went like, why? And it was because Bill Jemus. Yeah. Well, they wanted, first of all, they had us do 18 issues a year. They Mm want us to be the cash cow. Oh, wow. And also they wanted us to they wanted us to um like do interesting stories um but they wanted them in five pay, five book trades and I was like yeah. that's really formulaic. Like I like single issue stories mm-hmm. and I like because I think you can go pick up an in, in, single issue story, read it. Know what you got, move on. And exactly. what happened was that you know you can see that happening, Brad, because I we went through it at the beginning. You know the baseball issue, the one about yeah. the little boy at the bad end of town. You know single issue stories. You pick them up, you read them, mm-hmm. you remember them. But they not only told us to write a five issue thing, but they said we want venom. And we had yeah. said, Well, I was about to do a carnage story actually, but what? You know, and so <laughs> we ended up doing yeah. a venom story with Eddie Brock, and they let me do something at least they let me do something interesting, which is they, mm-hmm. they let me suggest that the the symbiote fed off of off of adrenaline. And so it was trying to kill him or make sure. him think he was committing suicide all the time because he had terminal cancer and that kind of cancer secretes adrenaline.
1: Right. And like you said, you can you can make lemonade, man, if you're given some lemons. I mean you you can you can turn it out.
2: <laughs> just just let me just let me write it is the thing. Don't tell me what yeah. to write because I think at a certain point and I'll point you to one or two issues that they said, we need this. Oh it never works. One of them was maximum security. Yeah, you know,
1: got to be that sure. Spider-Man two tie-in with Green Goblin. I mean, uh, Doc Ock that doesn't look like Doc Ock.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So they we did a Doc Ock story that I felt worked, and then two months after we finished it, they went, mm-hmm. "We want another one because it's coming out with the movie." And I went, "I just did Doctor Octopus. Right. Like, did me. I got nothing to say."
1: Yeah. Um, one that we talked about those single issue stories. We didn't talk about this last time. This is a beautiful story. Also beautifully written. Also beautiful art. Yeah. Uh, is this. Uh, Again, life imitating. Did you know a a kid that uh, was disabled that uh, was told in this story or how did this come about?
2: Well, I did not know a person specifically, but I did know how it felt to be trapped because of what happened when I broke my neck. Um, I felt a lot of compassion for people who are struggling with that. And it made me think about it quite often. Right. Right. So, you know, I did kind of research a little bit about what would happen. Um, and, and people, and, and so one of the things about that particular issue that I think is really interesting is that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the, the painted art is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, Paolo Rivera is amazing. They had us doing the Mythos book, so they wanted us to hmm.
1: Those explain are pretty-
2: first before and to see how it came out. So Paulo's like, un, unlike any other artist. Yeah. And what happened was um, we, we did that issue, and at a certain point we wrote a guy who's – afflicted with cerebral palsy and he sits up on the roof because his his dad and his sister will will take him up there and he says you know by the time they leave like they walk down the stairs and i go flying right Mm -hmm. he had this great imagination and he and it was based on a a thing that i heard from a guy called christopher nolan christy nolan who was a poet from ireland who had the same thing happen and he wrote a book called damn burst of dreams when they found out that his brain was so incredible he's such a great poet so this kid ends up witnessing a fight between spider-man and morbius the living vampire and it has one of my favorite lines that i ever wrote in it where spider man eventually takes his mask off and shows the kid who he is as a gift to say i'm, I'm with you mm-hmm. and the kid says i feel sorry for him
1: Well, I can't think of a better view than the top of a building watching the Marvel Universe happening. Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. The the kid gets the front row seat.
1: I can show you that. This is one of your favorite scene. Yeah. Does the weirdest thing. There you go. He shows his identity to the kid and takes a bow, nonetheless.
2: (laughs) He says, "He he says if you go back, he says he's he he, here." uh, The other one, he says, right here. Yeah, he says, you know, ordinary face, sad. He tries to smile. Yeah. And he wants me to be okay, and he's giving me this little gift, you know. That's really nice. I love that.
1: Beautiful, be- Again, beautiful. It, yeah. And the the one. Why do you think the comic industry is in the the trade right for five issues mode? Wouldn't they rather have five good single issues as opposed to one?
2: Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently, not. Right? I do, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, I I I'm actually looking in the comments here, and I see someone made a, a comment about. you know, being a twin of someone with CP. And I will tell you, Zach, something that happened to me when that issue came out. So a few people, like a couple of people decided to do something which really wasn't very pleasant, actually. They wanted to complain about that story. And they pretended that they were more than the two people they were. So they actually sent in letters of complaint from like 50 or 60 emails. And my Mm -hmm. editor, Tom Brevo, was really frustrated, really annoyed about it. Because he's like, you're trying to hijack and the reason they didn't like the story was because at one point the kid who's afflicted with CP mm-hmm. says, yeah, I acted like an idiot, right? He says, yeah, I, I kind of acted up today because I just I wanted my own way or something. And they said, the kid can't be a bad guy. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What makes it work is that the kid is a person first yeah, and yeah. happens to be afflicted with cerebral palsy, not the other way. The kid is not a cerebral palsy or a person yeah. in a wheelchair. Or a, they are a person first so they can be in a good mood, a bad mood, a happy mood. They can exactly. act well, and they can act badly, and that's what made them a real, ca- a real rounded character. And then mm-hmm. everything else second, right? right. Um, but I remember that very clearly because Tom sent me those emails. He sent me the, that correspondence, and he was really mad because he said like they tried to hijack us and tell it, but we we saw through it, and we realized it was the same writing from fifty different emails.
0: Oh, that
2: sucks. Yeah,
1: man. Uh, you also created the queen. Uh that was a five-parter that was that a mandate to do the queen?
2: That one no the queen was ours but the the okay. mandate was the stupid crossover again. And Not the nice.
1: organic web-shooters they made the we- and one. the
2: web-shooters they said we put him in the movie you can be the guy that does the web-shooters and I went I said I don't get it. <laughs> I don't see the point like why? Yeah. And they said well we know you're the guy that can handle this well. Oh. And I said I I'm I don't doubt that I could potentially do that but I just I guess my question is why? Here's, yeah. here's what made sense to me. Okay. He's smart, right? Mm-hmm. That makes him interesting. It makes him interesting because he made his web shooters. He was smart enough to make them, right? Yeah. I found that to be really cool. And I get the movie version did this, but I didn't really think that they needed to do that in the comics. And they said, yeah. well, we really want you to. And I said, oh, I'll give it a shot then. Um, and so we did. And I never really felt – I always felt that that particular bit with the Queen and the, the crossover with Captain America, again – I didn't even understand it. Yeah. Well, you are, uh, we
1: talked about some first with you. You wrote, you wrote a widow, Peter Parker. You had, you had a dog as a neighbor. The third thing about that, well, the Klingon wedding. Well, let's do four. <laughs> the, the fourth one is you knocked up Spider-Man. He was pregnant. The queen knocked pregnant. him up. What the heck, dude? <laughs>
2: that was worth it. That was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> what,
1: I don't even want to know what that would look like. Do we have a thousand Spider
2: Mans coming out of his ass or what? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know, but we just we not we got him knocked up. It was great. <laughs> the thing would have eaten him or something. It was going to be great.
1: Yeah. Oh, you did. You needed a sixth part to show the birth.
2: <laughs> I hear that. They, yeah, I really. I hear that they brought her back. By the way, which is kind of
1: cool. Oh yeah, she was in Spider Island. Yeah. Okay. You aren't missing much.
2: Okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> Uh, let's see, let me look at my notes real quick. We, uh, we talked about this last time, but it's such a good issue. I want to talk about it again. Cause I do. one thing I I've been doing this past week, uh, has been, I haven't read your stories in 20 years since they came mm-hmm. out. And this story, I read it again this week still holds up, man. This is one of my favorites. Talk well, about the should. poker. The poker is absolutely hysterical.
2: First of all, it should it should hold up because they're single issues, right? So, yeah, they should, exactly. so you should be able to read any of my single issues tomorrow and go, yeah, it's the same yeah. now as it should be, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so i tell you where it came from was that I realized that if you look at the essence of heroism and you look at the essence of the villain and you look at mm-hmm. all of that stuff, it's nothing to do with physical. I mean, the worst story in comics is two guys beat meet each other in the street yeah. And one punches the other guy hardest, and that guy wins. That's not a story. That's an event. Right? That's a thing. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: It, you know, it's a pay, it's a half a page at best. So, and I could I could see a load of stories that were being written. I felt in a really lazy way because people would write that story. Yeah. You know, my guy's Hulk's much stronger than that guy, and he punches him mm-hmm. hardest, and then he wins. And it's like, yeah, but there's no, there's no there there, right?
0: Yeah.
2: And I happened to be watching, I think, poker on TV, and I played a bit of poker. And I realized, listen, man, you know, that moment where you're sitting across the table from someone else and you've got a flush and you're thinking, I wonder if he's got a full house, you know, and you're sitting there and you're you're like, man, it's going to be heroic if I push it all in. Or maybe it's going to be smart if I just go, I think I can. I mean, who folds with a flush or who? who, But, you know, these poker players are so good. And I realized when you watched professional poker, you could also see there'd be a villain guy and he would be yelling at everybody exactly so where that poker issue came from was that i went to vegas for a friend's wedding and i had a strange event and it was one of my favorite things that had ever happened to me we go for this wedding and the night before the wedding i'm kind of on my own and he's busy doing his stuff so i went out and played poker in a in a in a place and i ran into this like perfect storm of poker i walked in on a table in vegas where there was a guy and he was a villain and he was a (laughs) mean-spirited idiot and he was winning he was winning right? Yeah. He won everybody's money and he would do this stuff where he would get like a poker card and he would lick it and then stick it on his face. So people could (laughs) see one of the cards that he had in his hand. And the the dealer was getting annoyed with him and everybody at the table hated him. And he had all of their money. Oh, that's fine. So I come in, it was the one time I got to be a superhero. I come in and I sit down very quietly and I start watching this stuff unfolding. And, um, and everybody hates this guy. And i he, he's not noticing me. He's noticing everybody else at the table. Mm-hmm. And really early on, I got a good hand and blah, blah, blah. And I won that hand against him. And he kind of looked at me grudgingly and he went, yeah, nice hand, dude. And I'm like, you're not a nice person. You don't mean nice hand. You're just mad. But he didn't pay attention to me then. But lo and behold, it came up again and I beat him again. And a couple of eyes went towards nice. me like, hang on a minute. Is this our hero? later on i took him for all of his money and at one point i bluffed him and he had he had like nothing left he had lost all his money to me and it was a you know close to nine hundred dollars wow and he'd lost it he was mad everybody hated him they loved me and and (laughs) he was he was fisk yeah (laughs) i bluffed him seven two off suit i bluffed him with nothing Oh, and then i yeah. showed it to him cuz i was so frustrated oh. with his behavior and he stalked off at the table and i was like man that was the best thing ever i got to be a superhero right <laughs> and i thought and that story came from that i'm like you know what that's so cool, cool. that's the essence of the fight between the hero and the villain
1: mm-hmm. yep. so i wrote that book That was I, I love that fisk walks in hands each other 50 grand it says yeah. i want to beat you guys like like this it's so it's so cool
2: he says i'm going to give you this money yeah. And you're, you're playing for charity, and I'm going to win my money back, and I'm going to buy myself a boat, and then I'm going to win your money back, and I'm going to spend it on cigars. Exactly. It's great.
1: <laughs> That's so cool. We, we kind of talked about it. Marvel's not pulling it up, but uh, issue 22 is Mind Worm. Yeah. Again, you just took a, a villain who I think is universally despised. It, I think Jerry Conway wrote him back in the 70s, and okay. nobody did anything with him except you.
2: But Talk why was he despised?
1: Well, I mean, not, not despised. He was just one of those villains ignored. that ignored is, I guess, ignored is a better word. Yeah. But um, you, you dig villains like that, that you could you, a blank slate essentially, maybe a little backstory, but you can do what you want with them. Oh, here there's we no,
2: go. There's no character. There yeah, is, yeah, there he is. There's yeah. no character that isn't great. And I actually, mm-hmm. listen, man, you know, that was a really meaningful issue, that one. I, I'm very proud of that one because. I agree. It was about a guy it was about Peter Parker coming upon a guy and realizing there, but for the grace of God and a couple of lucky breaks go on. Right. Like this All guy right. one has a mental health issue. He has dementia. He is, he's trapped and it came from a real moment. And I'll tell you what it was. Right. I, again, I, I wish, I don't know if you, can you get inside that issue and show it for a second? Yeah. Uh,
1: let me, it's kind of wigging out on me a little bit. Yeah.
2: Cause but. there's something I want to show you guys that, that it goes to show you that I bring it from my real life. And it was something that happened to me in Spain Um on the front that you just, if you could read it, it says
1: Here, I can pull that up. Up. I'm not having much luck pulling up the issue though on that.
2: Yeah. One. Understood. Um, it talks about an infernal triangle, right? And I wrote about an infernal triangle.
0: Okay. What,
2: what it was is that I was in Spain and I saw a street guy and he had a plate that he was begging for money, mm. but he hadn't had the, the mind to realize he needed to take his bottle of alcohol away. Mm. Cause no one was going to put money in his thing when his alcohol was sitting right next to it, but he was so far gone mentally and he was so drunk that he couldn't, he couldn't put it together. So it became this infernal triangle, him, the alcohol and his plate that he's begging from and no one gave him a penny. Mm. Right. And I saw that and I thought, you know, I do talk to uh, – I'm that guy, unfortunately. I will talk to homeless people, and I will talk to people and and, and meet them and find out their name. Um, even right. if I think that I'm i giving them money for booze, I say, you can do whatever you want to with it. I ask you one thing, what's your name? And they tell me, I'll say, where are you from? And they tell me, and then I give money. Because yeah. I want them to be, even to me, just a, a human being, uh, to themselves or something, right? Right. And so – that's what we wrote with Mindworm was that he was mentally ill and that he had fallen into harmlessness, and that his mental power mm-hmm. had messed up the entire neighborhood. It was literally psychic residue that smashed this entire. Yeah. And Spider Man finds him and tries to help him.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it was just a great story. I'd for I, when I in the reread this past week, I'd I'd honestly. I liked it 15 years ago, but I, I just have another new appreciation of it because I yeah, the other ones often get overlooked, but that one is a very strong issue. Mm-hmm. Another strong one, which is your favorite, you said, is your very last issue. Very personal story, you said, for this one.
2: Yes, it is. Talk, um, talk about this one. So,
1: Bucky come back for this one.
2: Well, first of all, I had Bucky come back. So we got to write <laughs> the very first story really in my run, right? Uh, obviously, I did the web spinners first, but we did the first story and it was about him visiting Ben. And then it was all these years later. i had now written Spider-Man for many years, right? Like maybe five years, something like that. 99
1: to 2005.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to say goodbye, but I wanted to say the thing that I thought was the most important, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When you get down to it, he was going to be a superhero, whether he was a superhero or not, that's who he was. And that's, who Peter Parker is it's never anything to do with the guy in the with the costume it's the guy in the costume that is everything Mm -hmm. it's who Peter Parker is and who he's going to become and who he's it comes from who he is innately it comes from who shapes him and and so I wanted to talk about a thing that I felt would shape him so the personal side of that story is that I um you know I was raised by a single mom my dad left when I was five I was homeless when I was a kid Um, we lived in a caravan. Um, what people know me of in America is not who I was before I came to America. And it's kind of crazy. And people, I started talking about it maybe two or three years ago publicly, but you know, I, I lived in a house with no electricity. I mean, the origin of Wolverine, the very first issue is called the hill. And it's all about the kid at the bottom of the hill, looking up at the, 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 the farm with all the lights blazing. And that kid was me right? And so I grew up that way. I I know how it feels to be very hungry. I know how it is to not have any money for electricity, to not live in a house, to live in a caravan. Uh, And so growing up like that, not having a dad, because my dad left when I was five, um, but I wanted to to do things for my dad. I wished that my dad would say, I wanted my dad to come back. I wanted to prove to my dad. And so What I did was I turned to like the light side, right? I was like literally the white sheep in my family. They're all like a bunch of pikies, right? They live in caravans. My my brother to this day lives in a caravan that's a scrappy in a place with no electricity, right? And he loves it. That's where he lives. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do was to have the real reason why Peter became who he was. Mm-hmm. it's kind of the real reason why I became who I became. Cause I felt a massive kinship with that character. When people ask me, which character are you most like? I always go Spider-Man. That's just who mm-hmm. I am. Right. right. And so what it was, um, Peter in that story, you find out that ben, and Ben tells him, you know, the ghost of Ben says to him, listen, you were always going to be this person. And the reason is because of your parents, like he was an orphan. He was a tiny little kid when, when they were gone. Right now, there's all this backstory. Maybe they were spies and okay, right, you know okay. yeah. all right. that's cool. But all it is, it's a story about how he wanted to be in the school play and he wanted to be a spider and he wanted to have eight legs. And so he got all these legs on and he's ready to go up on stage and his parents are there. And that, and that whole audience is watching him. There you go. And he, <laughs> and he freezes. Right he there, He can't deliver his lines. <laughs> and, and there he is. And yeah. this is his parents, right? Like, this is his right. line, perhaps in a week. And he just, and he fails.
1: I'll warm up the car. There he <laughs>
2: <goes>. <laughs> He fails, right? He fails. He, he, he can't, he, stage fright. And there I was, and there you were. And I'm failing and feeling like an idiot. That was his memory of mm-hmm. his parents. Yeah. And so why he became Spider-Man, was to prove to his parents that he was somebody yeah. and that he could succeed. Yeah. And so Ben tells him, yeah, you think you're Spider-Man because of what happened to me. That's not true. That's not all of it. You're yeah. Spider-Man. Cause you desperately wanted to prove to your mom and dad yeah. that you, that you could perform.
1: Yeah. You were always going to be someone like Spider-Man with or without your powers. Just a beautiful story. And and then you tug on my heartstrings. You make Aunt Uncle Ben dissolve again, like he did in the baseball field. Yeah. Bucky Bucky also makes you your heartstrings yeah. pull. Uh, one thing about this story, I read it. I didn't remember it fifteen years ago. What is in that box? What <laughs> do you what do you think is in this box that he does That's true. That's
2: I've said that repeatedly. People ask me what's in the box. What does he leave for for May? Because May comes and finds the box, and
1: it's over here. It's 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 kind of like a pulp fiction thing. What's inside the box? You decide as the reader. She
2: she comes to the box, and he and Peter has left the box, right? And he sees the two angel wings, right? He's made two angel wings in the snow because one for him, one for Ben. Yeah, and she knows he's been there, and she knows that it's everything like Ben. Is everything to Peter? Yeah, and she finds this present. It doesn't matter what's in the box. It's something that Peter has left. Yeah, or Uncle Ben.
1: Yeah, and there you go. That that'll get you right there. <laughs> it gets you right in the heart. But um, and I love the little you pair of twits. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's the point. The point was she would always call them a. Pair there you people, go. Right? And they would do <laughs> stupid stuff. Right. Yeah. They played super, pro- and we went all the way around full Love circle. It. We did the Calvin and Hobbes with the snowman. Exactly. And and now she sees this beautiful gift, whatever it would mm-hmm. be, and, and she's a new pair of twits.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just beautiful. I, I can see why that's one of your favorites, one of mine also. Yeah. Um, a couple things I've wanted to know over the years. During your run, uh, Straczynski was on Amazing. You had Brian Michael Bendis on ultimate. Do you think you were a little overlooked with what Peter Parker or were you fine being in your little niche?
2: Yeah, I was fine. I didn't care, man. Like, <laughs> listen, one of the, so something happened to me at Marvel that I thought was really funny.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, one time I had a very curious conversation with Joe Quesada who said to me, we're annoyed with you. Oh, and I said, why? Uh, I said, I live in Atlanta. I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> I'm not involved in the politics of comics. I see you guys at convention. I'm the first at the booth. I sign as many comics as anybody wants me to. I'm the last to leave. And if any fan finds me, I sign their comic. I'm
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, publicly, I think I'm the dude that helps you be like, I like everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't do politics. I don't go on public rants. I don't do any of that stuff. And my books sell, and you love them. Mm-hmm. And he said, that is the problem. As far as we're concerned, you're Neil Gaiman. The problem is you don't want to be.
0: Mm. <sighs>
1: well, I don't, I, I don't know if they want to be fixed. <laughs> I, I mean, you haven't written for them since 2011. And yeah. my, my goal or my dream of you coming back is – Long fleeting, I think. I don't think we're yeah. going to come back.
2: Well, I think no. And I yeah. think this is it, right? Yeah. They they had me when they needed me, right? Mm-hmm. I came to Marvel and they were in bankruptcy. And in 1997, 98, I did the Inhumans. They won an Eisner. Um, I I did the Sentry. They told me no. They complained. They complained. It came out. You end up being a member of the Avengers. And they went, look what we did. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you didn't. You literally fought me every step of the way. Mm. I did Spider Man. It, it rebuilt, and so we, re, you know, whether Straczynski and, and and Bendis were were doing the big stuff, which they're very public. They both have like big internet presences and big. They do all the stuff, mm-hmm. all the politics. We were the quiet revolution. We were the people that fixed Spider Man before they did. Yeah, and I agree. You no, know, I was brought in. They, Marvel said to me at one point, "You you fixed stuff for us. You fixed the Hulk for us." Yep, and I pitched them Wolverine Origin. People worried about it, and then the crazy thing is, um, they they you know when you look at Civil War, um, Civil War is really Civil War Frontlines. I wrote issue eleven of Frontlines before Mark Miller wrote issue two of Civil War. Wow! So when you see Civil War, you have to realize that that Frontlines was generally the book, and it was the man on the street thing. So I had been responsible for reviving Spider-Man, reviving the Hulk, doing the origin of Wolverine, doing the stuff, right? Getting to civil war and thinking we're doing great. And then the very next project that came up was world war Hulk. And I said, great. That's a metaphor for hurricane Katrina. And they said, no, you can't do that. No. And I said, you've never told me once that I couldn't do something. What's going on? Yeah. Ever. You've never said that. Like why, why no? Cause all I've ever done has been successful. Why no? And then, and then, um, maybe a year later, they announced they'd sold to Disney, and I went, Oh, now I know why because <laughs> oh, you yeah. were sat you were busy, you know. You know, so, um,
1: they frontline was way more interesting than the main book, says Eric. I, I, yeah,
2: well,
1: Stoggy also I said, know. Yeah, they said they, yeah. they you told them no one sent you, and then they stole it from it's. it's um, it, it probably as a writer, it's nice to not have a boss so much as an overlord. Is it just a lot more freeing for you? I know you love writing Spider-Man, but that's not your, that's not your toy box.
2: Look, listen, <laughs> it, honestly, Brad, I could write every yeah. Spider-Man story that I wrote. I could write with a different character or a different way. That's right? true. Like, it's not yeah. that, you know, it's, I what I wanted to do is bring something to Spider-Man and we did. Yeah. But you know, I don't need Spider-Man to write stories. I mm-hmm. think, that Marvel need me to write those stories in Spider-Man, I would think is the other way around, you know, mm-hmm. like you need good stuff, don't you? Yes. But what you'll learn if you work in this industry is it's not, co- it's not good that counts. That's not the issue. Yeah. It's not great stuff. It's not, it, it is really, you know, in this, in this business, it's, it's like marketing drives the business. And so unfortunately, when they said, we think you're gay men. And I said, I have no idea what that means. I, okay. That well, what they, what Joe said was, we think you are talent-wise. You just don't want to be him. You don't want to do the press the flesh. You don't I mean, they actually said the words, you don't come to Marvel and press the flesh. You don't do the politics. And I said, Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I do you want to tell me how to do it? I don't even know how to do it. And I think, <laughs> um, because I'm a bit more straightforward of a person and I don't, I don't care. I even told him, I don't care if I write Spider-Man. Like I wish that you cared if I write Spider-Man, but I don't care. I could write Iron Man. I could write nobody pick one. You know? And I,
1: this is technically our third interview. You, you and I did an email exchange when you were on Peter Parker Mm -hmm. and you were gracious there. And yeah, I I asked you questions, you filled it out. It was long before streaming and et cetera, Mm -hmm. but you were interacting with fans. I, I, I don't know why he thought that you weren't, Playing you know, the game people, like yeah. I didn't
2: interact with fans. I, I really did interact with fans. It was, yeah. I think what he meant was we, and by the way, you know, I see the comment, What did game would never have to do with that? He made his career oh. on for No, listen, that's not Neil's fault. I used to be Neil's mm-hmm. editor. So I know Neil pretty mm-hmm. well. And, you know, yeah. I think what they meant was we want you to be more public and do more politics and press mm-hmm. the flesh. It was something they told me and, and do things a certain way. And I mm-hmm. said, I don't even know how to do that. And I think they got their answer. Yeah. Right. I was, I was able to do the writing side of it, but they didn't need that at that point. They needed crossovers and public stuff and me on the internet. And yeah, I wasn't that guy. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well,
1: uh, let's, let me go back to what we originally started talking. Well, actually before we do that, uh, let's promote this one more time, uh, before we start taking questions. So fans, while you're watching all 20 of you, uh, start typing your questions for Paul. We'll take questions live, but also if we get up to 600 backers, Paul is going to give away a spectacular Spider-Man number 27 autographed. Uh, And if you back him for his new fairy quest. So let's get those uh, up to 600 for Paul. I think that looks, will be a lot of fun and nice uh, giveaway too. I think that's awesome. Uh, so let's see, I will, here, we'll start scrolling this while we're waiting for questions to come in for Paul. Feel free to write that on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're watching it from. So I don't think we looked at the updates. You had some new art the last couple of days I saw.
2: Yeah. We put some new updates. Uh,
1: I want to look at this cover one more time.
2: (laughs) Yeah. nice. I just so beautiful.
1: I just love that. Jennifer Jennifer Meyer did that one. Uh, let's
2: see here. And like I said to everybody, if you didn't catch it at the beginning, mm-hmm. Jennifer Meyer is going to be your favorite person on the internet. Her stuff is Oops. so cool.
1: Click the wrong thing. Whoops. We don't want to watch the Kickstarter magazine. I... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here's some interior
2: art. Yeah. I mean, we've got interior art all over the place. I can, I mean, if you want me to, I can show you the inside. Okay. Of the book you want to share so your you screen? You That'll I work. Share a screen. Yeah. Hang yeah. on a second. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think you have to let me share it, but let's yeah, uh, let me
1: go down here and I'll just
2: pop it in. Let's try this one. Uh, here you go. So I'll show you a couple of like images. Um,
1: here it comes. There you go.
2: Yeah. Here's. Um, That's beautiful. Is that yeah.
1: Humberto or is that. Uh... That
2: one's Humberto. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Here's just, you know, the way that the characters are together. They, I know it sounds crazy, but they act really well together. Mm-hmm. It's like a really honest story because they've, they're they friends, but they're not supposed to be. Right. Um, this is oh, wow. the head of the Think Police. His name is Mr. Grimm, yeah. and he represents what looks like tyranny and fascism. And, he, and the Think Police guy is right next to him. But he's basically telling all the animals of the forest, I need you to go and find these people and snitch them out because <laughs> they're looking for him." Yeah. um these are these great i mean it's just that the characters are so alive right mm-hmm. and i love the way just to point something out if you can see over on the side here leo our colorist leo olia oh they
1: pop like,
2: yeah he'll do like this forced perspective and he'll basically make things 3d just because of the way he does it. he blows yeah. the background out and stuff his technique is tremendous um this is the other guy he's the guy that represents like freedom of thought his name is anderson so you got grim and of mm-hmm. course and christian anderson and, oh
1: see the anderson, map maker
2: yeah. He's the map maker and, yeah, and yeah. Anderson tells them you have every right to determine your own fate. But the question becomes, if these characters determine their own fate, will they cease to exist? Like is friendship more important than safety or is fascism more important than friendship?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we go through this, right? What's, uh, there's, there's, you know, the, the TV commentator who, you know, I, I don't do politics, right. You never get me to do politics, but the guy, Bill O'Reilly, right, um, once said something that whether you like or dislike this guy, I think, you know, probably feelings quite strong about that guy. He said something that's very true that I heard once, which is people don't want freedom. They want safety.
0: Oh, yeah. Which
2: I think is quite true. Actually, that's people true. want comfort. Um, here's the map of Fablewood, so you can see there are genre borders div- dividing them. So the children's stories would be in one place and then you'd go to horror stories and you'd have science fiction mm. and you know detective fiction and so on. And then again, you know, here's just a couple of uh, of images from from the thing. so nice you know, it's a beautiful book and uh, it's just incredibly, incredibly honest. <laughs> you know, and I love to, I, I guess that's why it's good for me to be my own creator. And no? I'd much rather be able to write honest stories. And right. so it speaks to what we just spoke about, which is for a brief period of time, since mm-hmm. from 1997 through to um, maybe 2007, 10 yeah. years, they let me write my stuff. They went. We trust mm-hmm. you. We want you to do it because we can't do that wizardy stuff that you do. Can you just do it? And then in 2007, they said, "That's it. We're done. No, no more of that. Let me let me tell you what to do." And I said, "I think it's not for me. I'm probably not your guy."
1: I think also I saw in the update this is volume three of four. Are you doing four volumes?
2: Yeah, is that- yeah we're doing four of them. So we've done one and two. We're getting one and two back into print. Uh, I kind of want to actually, if you can, you know, hold the phone for one second. I kind of want to show people what the books look like because I oh, want yeah, yeah, yeah. Of your. Your well, thing. Let me go no get problem.
1: one. On. Oh, no problem. Again, if you want to ask Paul a question, uh, feel free to type it. I see several coming in. I've got about four or five ready to go when Paul comes back. Um, we got some from Eric. We got some from Peter Palmer. Matt's got a question. Adam's got a question. Anthony's got a question. Peter Palmer's got a question, but now mm. Paul's got his books right there. I'm going the to... One of the things
2: I think is really cool is that I like books that I can keep, right? It's one of the yeah. things... You know, so you know, you got the kids What yeah. you've got is you've got like um embossed like cover. So this character is like fully embossed and the, the the logo's embossed, and then if you see if I can hold it up to the light see it says oh, yeah. do not deviate. And there's like hidden kind of nice. so we do like spot UV varnish and then the thing about it is you know, size-wise, it's like a really big book. So you get these like French mm-hmm. album kind of things. Um this is a kind of book I want to keep. Because I, I I love the trade paperbacks of Spider-Man. It's just the individual issues. And I always used to say to, to the publisher, why don't you just get five of my issues and put them in one? Then you've got a five-issue book. Who cares, right?
1: Yeah, five single-issue stories is better than one drawn out, I was I would think.
2: Yeah. But, yeah.
1: yeah. The, the, the size of that book reminds me of the storybooks you used to read as a kid. You know, yeah. your mom sits you on your lap just like you start your story with. The, right. The, the mom and the kid there, there
2: is for scale. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's a huge book. Yeah. No
2: big big my head. <laughs> yep.
1: Uh, again, go to Kickstarter the link is, uh, in the descriptions of both of these videos that you're watching on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we got some questions coming in for you, Paul, let me uh, pull some of these one up at a time. Uh,
0: okay.
1: Peter Palmer says, have you read Nick Spencer's current run? If so, what are your thoughts on amazing Spider-Man? He's the current. Yeah, I
2: feel bad. Uh, yeah, I'm not a person who um, follows that. Unfortunately, um, I don't really have any thoughts on it because I don't uh, tend to have much time. Uh, the bit that people sort of struggle to understand is I'm, I'm not a lifetime comic guy. Not I love the medium and I love the books. So don't get me wrong. I promise I do love comics. Mm-hmm. But I also work in video games. I work in film and animation and television. I'm a novelist. I work across media. I do cross media development and production. So comics is one of the things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I am so busy and I'm currently writing a time travel story uh, that is set in a, in a new digital environment. So we're using digital storytelling. It's not, a, it's not a comic. It's not a film. It's like an almost an interactive game style comic. Hmm. But it's a time travel story, so we can use digital assets to do things that you can't do with a book. That sounds cool. Yeah. And um, so I'm so busy that the idea of following a run – so with all due respect to Nick, who I don't know, I, I know I'm afraid I, I don't know anything about it. Okay. Uh,
1: Anthony says that Cassette conversation was crazy. Should be all you have to do is write good stories, which Paul did.
2: Which... I, I would be in agreement, Anthony. I don't understand why, why good stories don't win everything. But if you work in the entertainment industry, you find that good quality content is probably consideration. Number five.
1: I I don't get, uh, you would think good quality would instantly equal sales. I don't understand why. I I mean,
2: my sales were fine, but. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's the primary thing for, for say publishing companies. They, they want other things like, you know, how active are you on social media? Mm. Um, you know, can you, will, will you, do you read a lot of comics, right? The comic industry mm. is sort of goofy. I, I used to get really frustrated because I studied to be a filmmaker and I studied English as a minor. Mm-hmm. So I studied writing and then I ran into editors and I was an editor for six, seven years and I ran into editors and none of them had any qualification for editing. Not really. People like like Karen Berger and Shelley Bond at Vertigo did, yeah. you know? Yeah. But by and large, not really.
1: Adam wants to know, thanks for your great, thoughtful take on Peter Parker and Spider-Man. What's your favorite issue? I get, we talked, is it 27? Spec 27?
2: Well, I think it's 27, but there are a couple yeah. of other ones in there. Okay, so, so 27 is the one where I wrote what I felt was the truth of Spider-Man, which is he was going to be, it wasn't Ben that did it. It's never a thing. It's never one thing. It's not, the death of Ben that made him Spider-Man because I want to go back to a different character from a different series, different company, which is two face, right? When Mm -hmm. two face gets splashed with acid and half his face melts, that's not something that drives you crazy. That's just an injury. Okay. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: And what, what I wrote was to Batman, Jekyll and Hyde, which is about how two face was already that person. And this was Mm -hmm. the catalyst for making him. And he had two sides to his personality anyway, and he was dealing with disorganized type schizophrenia and that's what happened. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think um, that issue of Spider-Man, the last one, was good. I do have a very soft spot for the baseball issue, so we'll yeah. cover it for a second. The baseball issue is about him going to a baseball game. And I've never had an issue of any comic, even Wolverine Origin, that I've signed more than that issue. <laughs> and it's because it's very heartfelt, but it's it's really just the story of a little boy going to a baseball game with his with his uncle.
3: Yeah,
2: And I wrote it um, – I went to great Britain to see my grandfather just before he died. And I used to always have to go visit them. So, you know, I, I went to see granddad and I talked to him a little bit and he wasn't interested in anything. And then I ended up singing a couple of wartime songs with him from his time living in London in the blitz. And we sang these songs and every old person in the old people's home sang those songs with us.
3: Mm.
2: And I realized we are connected by these things. And I got on a plane And I don't know how I knew knew he was going to die. I knew he was dead when I got on the plane and I sat on the plane and I wrote that issue on the way back to America from Great Britain and I landed and they said, yeah, he's gone. Mm. And that issue was the baseball issue.
1: Wow. And that, that just goes to that. You can connect because everyone has had, most everyone has had someone that has passed away that was older Mm. and you were a lot younger and you just connect with them. Yeah. And when uncle Ben dissolves in the seat that Bucky, (laughs) Bucky uh, drew beautifully. It just gets you. I mean, it just gets you.
2: I think it might get get you because of what he says. He says, you know, they finally win. The Mets finally won a game after. And at that moment, I looked at him and he didn't have anything to say. And I knew what he meant. I knew that he didn't have to give me the speech. And then he fades out. And then the caption says, and three days later, he was dead.
1: Yeah, that gets you right there. And it was, yeah. it was a teenage Peter Parker that reluctantly went to the ball game yep. too. Okay. And if he didn't go to it, he would have missed so much. So it's he just would have it, yeah. so many good, good emotional beats in that story. I, I can see why that one's one of the best mm-hmm. ones. Uh, Peter Palmer wants to know uh, what would you do if you had to write a black cat story? You wrote her really well in that poker issue. <laughs> I, I wish I we would have seen a little bit more of her. For, out of yeah. Europe.
2: she's Cool. Right. Um, yeah. I haven't, yeah, I haven't I haven't given specific thought to Black Cat, but I could. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard because, like I said, I don't think there's any bad character. I think you, it, I, I can tell you process-wise, not necessarily what the story would be, but yeah. process-wise, all you simply do is you just look at what's interesting about that character, find a thing that we can all relate to. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I know this is not really answering the question, but I think, Brad, I told you one time I wanted to write like a a hypno hustler story. Yeah.
1: Right? The, D- and, the DJ has stolen his beats at when he gets out of
2: jail, I remember. That's right. So Hypno yeah. Huffler, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure the Spider-Man fans all know, but he was basically a guy from like the 70s and his shtick was that yeah. he would play on the stage and hypnotize the audience with his harpies, the singers. And then when everyone was out of their mind he would run off the stage and steal their wallets get back on and no one would ever be the wiser
1: classic bad villain
2: (laughs) brilliant brilliant bad villain so completely ludicrous i loved it and so (laughs) we we were going to do a comedy but it was like a bittersweet comedy yeah when he comes back from being in jail and he and he finds out that people are using his music at raves and they are using his (laughs) and he's like i want my royalties man i made that music (laughs) and so it's kind of a cool yeah Comedy slash like a real slice of life, and so you can write any character, man. That would have been an mm-hmm. interesting way of doing oh. him. Been Find great. one, we can write it good. So I'd say the same of Black Black Cat, no? Yeah.
1: Uh, Eric wants to know what's your thoughts on Spider Man, the MCU, the film Spider Man, where he's Tony Stark Junior. <laughs> I kind of set um, you up as a negative question. You may like that. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. No, because I. Okay. So. So at this point, I saw the first few. Once I broke away from Marvel, uh, I've never seen a Marvel film since.
1: You haven't seen one since what? The fir- after Iron Man two, maybe. That's I was I think that. I was twenty.
2: I didn't even see Iron Man two. I saw Iron Man the first one. Uh, <laughs> wow. I don't watch. I don't watch them. I saw Black Panther because I actually wanted to see oh, that no, one. That was great. And I yeah. felt like uh, that was one that was culturally relevant anyway. So I would see that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't really feel like watching Marvel films to be honest. Okay. <laughs> Well, it it's
1: it's a different take and I personally don't like it. He makes Spider Man seem like a sidekick because every motivation is more of Tony Stark as opposed to Uncle Ben.
2: Yeah, and I think that's probably because they've yeah. got an actor, right, in in who plays Iron Man, you know. Yeah. And and they like him so much that he's gonna drive a bunch of their stuff. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. And they they've never shown Uncle Ben in this current version. They never even even said the word Uncle Ben.
2: Uh, but, you know, they, they should have. Right. Like, listen, you should have brought Gwen should be something. Gwen is such an important character. Ben is someone who's yes. such an important character. May is important. Mm-hmm. You know, these are important people. Um, and and throwing them away is a bit of shame, I think, because you've got yeah. such great stuff to be able to do with them.
1: And Aunt May is hot. With, <laughs> in these films with, uh, oh, what's her name? Marissa Tomei is Aunt May. Okay. So my cousin Vinny's girlfriend is Aunt May. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Eric also has a question for you about, uh, how'd you get your break on the Ninja Turtles in the early nineties?
2: Break is it? I was playing football, I was playing soccer and I broke my, my ankle. And I was uh, over in America, I was teaching music and drama to learning disabled children. And I was working as a waiter and I, I knew the guys from Northampton, Massachusetts, and I broke my ankle and I couldn't do the job I was doing. And I said, can I come work with you? And they said, yeah. And, you know, three or four months later, it went insane. Wow. So, there you go. I, I accidentally fell into comics.
1: <laughs> uh, Matt wants to know, uh, do you like married or single or something else altogether of the characters besides that given debate?
2: Well, the, the, the answer is yes, right? Like, um, if w- when I wrote them when they were married, uh, I like to think that I simply just wrote myself and my wife, and mm-hmm. they loved each other, and they supported each other, and they understood it. They went through difficult times. They went through easy times. That's kind of what happens when you're married and you actually care about each other. So I used to rail a little bit against the way that they would write it because it seemed like a lot of times people were writing it in a different way. They were saying they are arguing all the time. I don't see the point. That's not what marriage is, man. I guess it must be some marriages, but not why, – why is that an interesting conflict? Would it not have been a more interesting conflict to write the two of them loving each other and enjoying each other's company and having to face this together? Because guess what? That makes Mary Jane heroic because she has to face it too.
1: Exactly. A lot of writers so didn't kind know what to do with Mary Jane.
2: Yeah, and I kind of liked that. And mm-hmm. then if he was single, which I had to write him single because she was dead, and then she a disappeared widow, yeah. at one point. I don't know. And when I had him single, remember I had him living across from Karen and, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, and, and the dog. And I was yeah. like, I write that too. So I didn't really mind. you know. Oh,
1: Ooh. uh, Eric says, uh, fairy quest looks beautiful. Uh, doggy says it won't say boom on the spine.
2: That's right. Yeah. No, it doesn't. No, that looks, we're not doing with boom anymore. Yeah. If you think it's beautiful, Eric, I hope you're going to go back. us. that'd be great.
1: No doubt. Uh, here you go. That's how you do it right there.
2: Come on, Eric, go show us.
1: Eric, show us. You said it's beautiful. Let's get that number up to five ninety seven. Uh, Anthony says, Paul, do you think Spider Man's more about youth or responsibility? This is a Tom Brevoort, uh thing that uh, he 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 thinks Spider Man is all about youth. He, um, what, what's your thoughts on that? So,
2: uh, how about the answer to that? If I had to be pressed on it, is mm-hmm. a little bit of like, yes, it's probably about how you emerge into the workforce and you realize what responsibility is. You are young. You are not as experienced as you need to be. And you are, it's almost like um, when you go into the workforce and you're 20 and you realize you're smarter than your boss, right? Like you have to go into the workforce. You have to kind of emerge. It is a coming of age. So I would probably hedge towards responsibility a little bit. Um, But I get Tom's point that it is about youth in some extent, because it's about like, how how do I navigate all this difficulty? Right. Right. And in his case, he's navigating this difficulty and taking on responsibility. So it's probably a bit of each, I would think. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh let's see. Stoggy talks about Top Cow is now uh, is doing that now on Kickstarter. I think that was something we were referencing earlier. I'm not sure. Uh, no. talking about. uh my buddy Javi says, Thank you for bringing such heart to your Spider Man tales. So
2: that's thank also. you, Javi.
1: Javi cool. says he also enjoyed typeface. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're the one.
1: <laughs> yeah well now that i know that you're in on the joke i think i enjoy typeface a little bit more i didn't know that you were trying to go for a bad villain
2: we wanted the dumbest villain we said like it works. I, thought been pretty, <laughs> I thought we'd been pretty public about it i thought we said yeah. like we just were like that's so funny man Like he's <laughs> going to be a really crappy villain let's go but Uh-oh. what happened was we yeah. did have something to say with him yeah and then they gave us maximum carnage in the middle of it and we went Wow.
1: Or maximum security.
2: Maximum <laughs> security, yeah. And he, and he just like, yeah. we were busy with something.
1: No doubt. Us, you know? way, way to put me on a different road.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh, Adam says, thanks for the great uh, backstory. Uh, Eric says, I agree that Spider-Man is not Iron Man Jr. Wish that was a better take on Spider-Man. Yeah. Doggy says, Top Cow is running Witchblade in the Darkness as a hardcover as we chat on Kickstarter. Oh, that's
2: right. Yeah. i okay. using all my old stuff to make a lot of money, aren't they?
1: Adam says, I see musical instruments everywhere. What? Paul, do you make your own music? Is it online? Where can we find it?
2: Uh, you know, I do. Um, I'm just trying to think. You know, I bet you. I don't know if we could do this, but we'll give it a try, right? All right. Let's see if I can find one piece of me. I'll give you a snippet of music that I do. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm working on on this digital project right now, like I said. And one of the things that's interesting about it is I'm writing the music for the, the, the project. Um, so that's kind of cool, right? It gets me to... It, gets, it makes me able to to sort of – let's see if I can um, bring up a piece. We'll, we'll find one.
1: Share your right. screen I'll pop it up.
2: Yeah, I'm going to, yeah. Um, so we will give you a snippet of music. I will see if we can share the screen. Hold on. All right, share screen with an application. Now the question is going to be mm-hmm. – no, I bet you it doesn't. Oh, here's how we can do it. Keep talking. I okay. know how to do it. <laughs> I know. which is we 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 do it um by do it in a browser um, you know? by putting it in my browser right? yeah, yeah. which is fine it's no easy word. enough to put it in the browser and just you know um okay so hang a second um yeah. ask, ask me another question while i do this yeah keep,
1: keep asking questions and uh, we're gonna wrap yeah. it up pretty soon but uh yeah. the dice must flow aka greg <laughs> what was your favorite villain to write um in spider-man Yeah. Or in general, I bet, I bet you it's Norman. If I had to guess, was your
2: favorite? I will say that I feel like we accomplished something. Yeah. I feel like we accomplished something with Norman. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it would be fair to say that, um, Norman, Norman is a good, is a good call because Norman has such layers of complexity, right? So here's the thing. Norman has, Passion. Norman has all these things that that make it easy to kind of relate to him, right? Mm -hmm. Doctor Octopus is not Doctor Octopus is Jeffrey Bundy, right? He's a bad human being. He's not a good person. Um, All right, let's try this. Uh, I think I got it. Okay, cool. I'll have this. This is actually kind of fun. Let's see if I can share my screen and share a bit of music. So this is the kind of stuff that I'm working on. This is actually a piece of music. That I wrote um, in two ways, but it's it's going to be used for the um, for the, the time travel story that we have. Um, so let's... Oh, wait a minute. i okay. on, stop one thing. Got to do that again because, you know, like I told you, it's supposed to share the uh, audio. Otherwise, you can't make it work. Duh. Share audio.
1: Oh, by the way, guess what? Yeah, we got, a, we got another backer for you. Five Good. ninety-seven. We're up. There you go.
2: Good. Okay, let's let's try <laughs> this one. Let's see if I can share the screen. Are we are we shared?
1: Oh yes, I see it. There you are. All right, let's there try
2: this. Can, tell me if you can hear it.
1: Yeah, I hear it. Yeah, I hear it. This is cool. So, are you on keyboard doing that, or is that what your your contribution?
2: Yeah, there's like slide guitar in there. There's guitar. There's the keyboard. A uh, bunch of different stuff. Very nice. And it, this this piece of music is um, that the the time travel story is kind of a tragedy about a woman that has to go back. Um, and the piece of music is called Mother. Cool. There you go. So that's awesome. kind of what I do uh, when I'm not busy doing other stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to answer Adam's question, how do we hear your music? How does he hear it?
2: Um, I really should post more. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm working on that project right now. So I'm writing a lot of stuff. That one's just a lot of that is like soundtrack music. Right. But I just wrote a song for a woman called Kirsty Hawkshaw. Um who mm-hmm. you can find. And so Kirsty and I, work, I'm working on a project with her and Alvin Stardust's son right now. So I do write music. I came here as a musician. I love, I love, uh, writing music, but I don't have enough hours in the day, man. It's just yeah. something that yeah. I do sometimes, you know, by the
1: way, that last, uh, Kickstarter member, Eric, you, you said, Eric, go sign up. Eric just did. He's number hey, five. All right. <laughs>
2: we need, we need a couple more of you guys. Thank you, Eric. Cause I promise you, you'll love the book. <laughs> you know, and that's the point i think if you liked it and you're yeah. way it looked, you'll probably like it we <laughs> appreciate it you know? no doubt
1: uh again uh paul is going to give away spec number 27 autographed if he gets up the number 600 backers yeah come so, on come on come we're on. almost there we've gotten two but then we started talking we'll yeah. do a couple more questions and then we'll call it okay uh let's see let's see Oh, Staggy says top. Oh, we already did that one. Uh, what was your favorite villain to write? We talked about that one. Here, Matt says, "What's your your best Aunt May story that you wrote?"
2: Um, I actually feel uh, that the best moment that I wrote with her was in the very first book that I wrote. Um, oh, yeah, twenty. Because I wrote these web spinners books, and the chameleon has come to be in the house, and May doesn't realize that the chameleon is not not Peter and he, he goes in and she's just jabbering on and, um, and she's perfect. And the chameleon just goes into the bathroom and he, and he gets her pearls or something that she's left there and
0: mm-hmm. he just
2: sits against the door and he goes, she's perfect. <laughs> He's exactly who the chameleon wanted her to be. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, did, you said you had a good relationship with your, your grandfather. Did yeah. you have a good relationship with your grandmother? I mean, oh did, God, yeah. did, so, did, did a lot of May – did of your grandma come out in Aunt May?
2: Absolutely. So my yeah. grandmother – so my, my grandfather on my father's side was, a, was mm-hmm. a funny dude. He was Ben. My grandmother on my mother's side was May. And my grandmother – is just the – she was so sweet. She was such a funny – we took her to the <laughs> opening premiere of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in London when it came out. Um, So it was really funny because everybody else was there with their girlfriend or wife, and they were all, you know, <laughs> models and strippers, basically. And, and then there was me, and I was single, and I said, I'm taking my awesome. grandmother because I didn't care. Why not? Why and not? So, they picked up my grandmother in a limo out of the back end of nowhere where we were, where we we from? And all the neighbors are looking out the window, like what is going on? And they brought her <laughs> to the premiere. Yeah. So you have to line up at the premiere and go up the street and then they pull you out and you go on the red carpet. And my Nan was like the queen mother. Right. And so I got her out and I'm like, come on nan! And I pull her out the lights and the camera goes off and she starts waving. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> so we took it to the thing and, um, and it was great. <laughs> and at the end, well, I thought, well, she's going to be tired. And they said, well, the BBC want you to go to the after party. Oh, wow. I, oh,
1: you know, was I was living it
2: up. <laughs> and I said, Nan, do you want to go? And she said, yeah, that'd be nice. And so oh, we went. so cool. So everyone there was like Elton John, Queen, Freddie Mercury <laughs> was really sick. Freddie Mercury I think, was really sick. Brian May was there, the guitarist. Oh, man, and they there. that's so and cool. They found, they found out I brought my grandmother, and so they all kept coming up to her. And at one point. <laughs> Like one of them, like Brian May came over and he's like, young man, I heard that you brought your grandmother. And, you know, like Elton John came over and, and all these people and, and they would come over, Freddie Mercury and all that, and then go and they'd walk away and she'd go, who was that?
1: Well, you know, they, they, they'll they remember Gran, though. Gran may not remember them, but they'll remember Gran. They
2: remembered. And Brian May told me, he said, listen, next time I'm bringing my mom. You know, oh, that's, so um, cool. that was cool. uh,
1: Stoggy says, grandma is, uh, to blame for your love of comics. I think she you is. told me this. She used to roll them up yeah. and mail them to you. Is that right?
2: Yeah. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any, I had no way to get comics. And, mm-hmm. uh, so she would roll them up once a month. She would send us the reprints of the Spider-Man books, the reprints yep. of the daredevil books. Oh, nice. From the original runs. So I, I like my memories of it were like the first time he fights Dr. Octopus because they would reprint those in black and white. Right. Yeah and um then the british comics that she would send us so that's oh, where i really was cool. first exposed to stan lee and his vocabulary and stuff like that you know
1: no doubt uh yeah. yep stogie talks about um sending the care packages i um, have a i have a similar grandparent story in the ninja the first ninja turtle movie yeah. my grandpa and i took my little cousin uh bobby to it and my grandpa could care less about ninja turtles and we we uh were at a matinee And all of a sudden these kids busted there must've been seven or eight just started busting up swords in the, in the aisle. They were, they were Ninja turtle fighting right in the middle of the movie (laughs) along with the fight scene. So my grandpa and I had that fight, he's passed away, but we have that memory of the first Ninja Uh, turtle story. That
2: that was a cultural uh, moment, man. That was, Oh, I know. know. (laughs) Uh,
1: This was all for the Ninja turtles. Yes. Adam. uh matt says no question just want to say i really enjoyed your spider-man stories back in the day i really f- felt you brought a fresh and unique take on the character yes thank yeah. you, matt. something something we hadn't seen before so
2: well like so- i said you know brand like
1: mm-hmm.
2: it, it doesn't require i mean i know that people love spider-man and i love spider-man he's probably one of my favorite characters i ever wrote and i think yeah. I may have explained to you, like, I think if you have a way that you think Spider-Man is, and I explained it to you, I remember saying this, cause I've said this a lot, right? Right. For me, Spider-Man's the guy that, that uh, I think I, I had this analogy that I gave to you and I give it quite a lot He's the mm-hmm. guy that has the flu and he wakes up and he has to go to work and he gets there late and everyone yells at him and he has a bad day and he comes home and he has a bad night and his wife's upset and his kids are annoyed with him. And then he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he does it all over again. That's mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Right. And so I like that character. And as long as you thematically know who it is, you can write, yes. him. but I don't need Spider-Man. That's why I love doing the stuff that I'm doing with, with, with fairy quest and with any other book that I do. Um, if I do more independent stuff, it's because frankly, I feel like Marvel need me a lot more than I, I need them, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Well, uh one more time. Let's uh plug the Kickstarter and then I think we should wrap it up. We've my God, man, we've gone two hours. It, it yeah. just flew. <laughs> all right Again, Kickstarter. Uh you got fourteen days left, it looks like. Yeah. Uh thirty three thousand of your forty thousand dollar goal. And yeah. then uh. you will start printing the third volume
2: yeah um, so come, come support us if you guys are watching this on the stream yeah or if you watch us after the fact uh, yeah we would love it if you come and make these books a reality because if you like the way I wrote Spider-Man you'll just as much like these kind of books oh, no. no doubt
0: no
1: doubt and as you said uh, earlier in the show once they read the first chapter you've seen this at cons they read it they instantly run back and they say when's the next one
0: coming
2: yeah I think it's, yeah. it's- the crazy thing it's the book that that happens with and so what I've often said is I'll do Dragon Con where I live in Atlanta
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, I can have two you know I can have the origin of Wolverine and I might have one person that wants it but I'll have 150 people once yeah. they see that they want it and so, that's, so cool. that's just a self-evident truth that I kind of know is real. And so we hope that people will come uh, back us again a little bit. So come back just awesome. us. Come back us.
1: Last day to do so, August 8th on Saturday at 944. It ends that day. So get your uh, backing before that day so we can make this book a reality. Paul, it is just as much a pleasure several years later to talk to you. Uh, yeah. you're, you're just a, a, a good dude. as <laughs>
2: Thank you, man. I, 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 I've I, always loved uh, I loved doing Spider-Man, and I love the fact that you do this. You've done this for a long time now. Yeah, not,
1: and 1998 I started. That's crazy, name, man.
2: I've known yep. you since you did this, and, yeah. and I feel like we came through this whole thing together. You know?
1: Yeah, no exactly. doubt. Everybody, thank you for watching. Go check out Paul's book. Well, that's a wrap on that episode. I hope you liked it. Uh, one more time before we wrap it all up, I want to remind you about uh, patreon.com crawlspace. Log on there to get exclusive thank you content, which uh, one of them is the Spire Satellites where we review all the books that aren't amazing on that episode. That's a thank you to people that help support this podcast on our website each and every month through Patreon. There's also several other podcasts that are up there that are fun to listen to uh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. But again, it's patreon.com slash crawlspace for exclusive content and also support things you like, like this podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody.